<laughs> All right, so today's season five cold open. Uh, so pay attention here because <clears throat> I'm going to need your participation. Today's season five cold open will be two elderly prejudiced Italian neighbors in Little Italy, Philadelphia, talking about how they grew up with Larry Wachowski. <laughs> Cut to exterior Italian neighborhood. Hey, yo, Danny Donatello, it's me, your neighbor, Danny Donna Nananucci. Hey, Danny. Hey, how's it going, paisan? <laughs> it's, it's going good, baby. Hey, so I'm just at the edge of my uh, elderly Italian racist lawn, and I thought I'd just have a little conversation with you. Oh. <laughs> All right, I wasn't prepared to have a conversation this morning. <laughs> I didn't even have my coffee yet, but I'm ready. <laughs> hey, Danny, you remember that little fucking cocksucker we grew up with? What was his name, uh... Fuck. L- little Petey. No, it was Larry. Big Petey. No, no, no. It was Larry. Medium-sized Petey. Larry Wachowski. It was medium-sized Petey's cousin's uncle brother from the Italian spaghetti Larry, place. Larry, Larry hey, Wachowski, yo. that little Polak piece of shit. You remember that little Polak piece of shit yeah. used to get caught smoking cigarettes at school? Hey, yo, yeah, 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 I remember. I remember. What's, how's, how's old Larry doing? So, from what I heard, Larry went on and made a big movie with big kung fu chopping action called The Matrix. You remember that fucking shit? Yeah, I remember The Matrix. Larry didn't make that. Oh, I love that movie. That not, wasn't a big movie. Not a single Moulinon in that movie. Yeah. Not a single one. Goodfellas, that's a movie. So that was a good movie. I like the not action. Not a Python to be seen. <laughs> I like the bullet Oh, wait, that Joe Pantoliano. <laughs> he turned out to be a scumbag. <laughs> Joey Pantoliano's not a scumbag. You watch your fucking mouth. That movie was racist against our people like everything else is. So listen, I was watching episode 362,448 of The Sopranos the other night. And I see an ad Killer on... episode. I see, <laughs> I see an ad on the old home box for this new movie called The Matrix 4 Resurrections. You heard of this one? No, you can afford HBO. Now listen to this shit. Nah, I steal it. <laughs> now listen to this shit. I saw this one's directed by a broad. <laughs> and get this. Oh, oh, she's got pink hair and dreadlocks. Uh. That's two different cultures being appropriated at the same time. Oh, 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 this guy. These millennial scumbags with their pink hair. So listen, I sat down, I watched this Matrix 4, and guess what? Not a single good piece of action in it. Not a single gun, kung fu, bullet time, slow-mo, spin-around shot. Oh, what is this garbage? That doesn't sound like the Matrix to me. That man. ain't my Matrix, I'll tell you that one. Oh, Donnie Donatello. No, whoa, hey. You know who shoots good uh, good action? Who's that? That's Coppola. Coppola's the action master. The, the, the Godfather? Godfather? <laughs> so listen, I was thinking we grab... Not an a, orange to be seen in the Matrix. We grab our old boop, beating baseball bats, and we head all the way down to Hollywood to see if we can see this Lana fuck. Is, she, is Lana related to Larry? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I mean, wait a minute. Did you share certain facial similarities? No, I think that's just coincidental. Okay. So you want to go beat up a trans person? No. Say yes. <laughs> I will not. I, 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 <laughs> You're not getting that on record out of me. <laughs> yeah. If I did, it wouldn't be because they were trans. It would just be that they happened to be trans. And I like beating people up. <laughs> You don't have to keep explaining yourself. Oh, theme song by Chris Garanda. Hey, oh. <laughs> Shout out Space Bacon. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that bit was written by Sam Crespo from Space Bacon. He's 
a little uh, he's a little right leaning, but we'll give him a break. <laughs> you can't just spawn shit like that on me. I think First thing in the morning. I think it went pretty fucking well. I would have worked on my Italian accent. That's what we call an Italian icebreaker. <laughs> oh, water ice, Philadelphia. <laughs> Fuck off. All right, I have to stop. <laughs> I should probably stop that now. Um, <clears throat> the Italians are going to be mad that we're being racist against them. <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, they do it all the time. And then they're going to turn around and pass it on to everyone else around them. <laughs> That's the cycle of abuse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dan, any other thoughts on Italians? <laughs> Tons. Tons? <laughs> you want to pinch one more off? Let's or, wait until they make a sequel to Little Italy. Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've honestly, I've been coming around to the Italians lately. Oh, yeah? How so? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Season 5, Episode 1. Was that just one. the fucking match game? Music cue. What match game? What's match game? Oh, like the, the game uh, show uh, I from think, the seventies. Yeah, I think maybe that's where it originally came from. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just used to um, fill in silences, depressing silences on podcasts. That's so funny, dude. Match game, fucking uh, uh, Charles Nelson Riley. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, Dan. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, uh, my name is Dan Lyons. <laughs> I'm, sticking, I'm keeping out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and dan has already become anonymous within yeah. uh 10 minutes of... I, I, i've already become the fucking homer backing into the bushes meme i am thrilled out of my dick to start season five episode one of the movie blues podcast I almost got dan to spit his smoothie out of his nose <laughs> that one but we will have to keep waiting for that it's um, been a long season break it has been a long season break this this was the longest break we've ever taken from podcasting now i know listen I know you came here five times to talk about Lost. We all appreciate the hard fucking work that goes into I forgot, that. I, I forgot all about that. That was a different podcast. Um, so if you like this podcast and wanted to hear what we've been up to in between, listen to uh, all five episodes of the Lost Boys miniseries. Yeah, we did. but first watch the entire series of Lost. First watch Lost. Bang that out real quick. Don't not start that way. Um, so um, today we are going to start season five. Yeah, um, I took a very uncharacteristic break. Uh, from uh, intense island content mm -hmm. to, to watch something else. <laughs> and yet our next episode commanded that you uh, yeah. once again watched island content. That was not lost on me. Tune in next week for our episode on M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Um, for now, we're going to be talking about The Matrix. And the way that we need to kick that off is by talking about our dual birthday party at The Matrix 1. <laughs> However, however, before we get to that incredibly fun recollection of our time together, we will be doing our um, usual starting skit of 30 seconds longer than we usually last, a skit in which we talk about whatever we want for longer than we could come. Uh, Dan, would you like to start or do you want me to kick it off? Start for longer than we can come is a weird way. That's like as, as small as I've been able to chop it down to say it quickly. Do you come for thirty straight seconds? I come for thirty straight seconds. Yeah, it's it's just ropes. Um, <laughs> all right, go, 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 delete go all on, this. Go on. Should we start again? Um, all right. So, uh, Dan, would you like me to start off? Do you want to start off with? You go? can start. Okay, great. So this one is going to definitely disappoint you, uh, as most things that happen in this basement in this position do. Um, but Rachel and I recently restarted Entourage, uh, um, a show oh. that she has never watched that I have seen um, many times over. And um, this was the first time 
getting her to watch it. I thought I could really bait her in because it takes place so heavily in LA and we just were in LA and she loves like anything set there now because we recognize all these different iconic places. Such was not the case for Entourage. Uh, we were both thoroughly disgusted by how incredibly dated and cringy Entourage was. Now, listen, it I understand. Is, it is wild. I understand. It, it gets more so. <laughs> I understand that it's the first episode and, and maybe it, it improves in some ways and matures in some ways. But um, I spent most of the time like, you ever like something, but as you're watching it with someone else, you secondhand cringe through them. Yeah. Um, that's what I was doing pretty much the whole time, especially like every line where Turtle was like, hey, I waxed her pussy last weekend. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh yeah, pussy, all right. Did I'm you, doing the Italian thing Did again. you only watch the first episode? Um, yes, we only watched yeah. the first episode. So I, I went through this last season with Kat. Right who had also not seen Entourage, and that first episode is fucking tough to get through. Yeah, man. And, and Sitting next to a contemporary woman. <laughs> Rachel just turned to me when it ended. She goes, I don't know if those people are from New York or Boston, but I fucking hate them. And <laughs> I said, you know what? I can't blame you because... I, even loving all these characters, hated this. Yeah. So that's that's on break the for now. The pilot and generally the first season of that show right. is pretty rough. And I could get through it if she were like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, But good God, is it misogynistic oh, yeah. garbage. I mean, just reminder that Vinny is Mark Wahlberg and just picture Mark Wahlberg the whole time. You know, as we were watching it, I could tell she was waning. And I was like, I turned to her and I was like, yeah, you know, um, and this is what I do sometimes. When I watch things with her, I tell her facts she doesn't care about to try to engage her further. But I was like, you know, this is about Mark Wahlberg. And I, I was like, Jesus Christ, just saying that out loud is not the pedigree that I was hoping. Yeah. Fame burger <laughs> entrepreneur Mark Wahlberg. So, yeah, that uh, <laughs> didn't turn out great. But um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll get to it again. Dan, you ready for your uh, 30 seconds longer than you usually last? Yeah. I don't know that I need a full 30 seconds this time, which is rare. It's 60. 60. Well, <laughs> same as usual. <laughs> then you're definitely in trouble. Um, I just uh, want to give a big shout out to everyone who faced and weathered the elements in order to go see a concert on New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, the, the rest of us, those residents of Philadelphia, we appreciate you for your service. Um, a month from now when everything's shut down again, I hope that seeing a terrible Disco Biscuits concert was worth the effort. <laughs> Um, I listened to that show. It was terrible. Um, so huge. Dan, shout Golden out to Gun everyone. rating on uh, Disco Biscuits New Year show. Zero out of ten. A <laughs> uh, huge shout out to everyone who tried to justify them going to a yes. super spreader event mm -hmm. by congratulating the Biscuits for their security theater when it turns out like thirty percent of people tested positive, even though people were standing in line with those people for fucking hours at a time um i think you're a bunch of fucking selfish pricks and uh that's it thanks hey, hey look you Shout hit out. 60 really nice there yeah. you're revving up i know i was getting heated that's the kind of passion i'm looking for yeah. i like it god we Th should just have a biscuits podcast like that guy patrick mcguire suggested we do yeah that guy is fucking delusional dan and i were shitting on that concert some dude came out of the woodwork is like if you two jews want to sit around keep calling all day to each other why not just start a podcast yeah, and i was like, like jokes on you bitch we've already made fun of your entire fucking archetype on this podcast on a daily basis jokes on you i've sent you three invites since that conversation <laughs> 
All right. So uh, as I was mentioning before, uh, the first part of this conversation needs to be about our experience seeing The Matrix 1 in 4DX, uh, the theater experience. It was more like 3DX. It was like three and a half. Um, where uh, the seats shake, uh, water is supposed to blast, uh, there are muzzle flashes in the room, fog, wind, atmosphere, things like that. And uh, Dan and I combined our birthday parties. It was basically right in the middle of both of our birthdays. Um, and we went to go see it. Uh, what, what do you think we had, like a 20-person group? We, we had around a 20-person group. Yeah. Everyone can go back and listen to our 40X episode from season one. Mm-hmm. About hear, Godzilla. To hear our description of a much more sophisticated 4DX machine. Yes. If you go into uh, our Godzilla review or our Rise of Skywalker review, we saw both of those films in 4DX, and especially in the Godzilla one, we really broke down what that theater experience is like. Check that out from season yeah. one. I don't um, know what was happening here. I don't know if they were... Uh, you know, doing less of the like covering people in liquid because of the pandemic. I don't know if they were just, uh, you know, didn't want to program as much because it wasn't a new movie. I don't know if 4DX is failing, so they're just not dumping as much money into the materials for it. But this was, this was lackluster for how much I hyped 4DX to my friends. I had <laughs> a lot of disappointed patrons based um, on the experience that I laid out versus the experience we were given. My overall feeling on the experience was um, The Matrix uh, 1 in 4DX is a presentation of the kinetic energy of The Matrix translated through a massage chair. Yeah, it was literally <laughs> just like a vibrator was held against our perenniums for fucking two and a half hours, and uh, that's it. So I and my wife, drunk, the both of us, uh, passed out while in the movie theater 4DX machine. I've never felt so comfortable, yeah. which is funny because the last 4DX movie I saw was Spider-Man 2. Um, and it really hurt my body. I was injured at the time. My ankle was fucked up, and it really doubled down on just the pain of not only the movie being terrible, but just the feeling of it being terrible, whereas this one lulled me into a sense of sleepiness that I capitalized on. I woke up, like, as he was taking... Uh, he was, like, being offered the red and blue pill, yeah. so I kind of, like, skipped out on the beginning of some of it. Um, I guess for Rachel, who had never seen uh, the movie in theaters, obviously, but really had never done a concentrated watch of The Matrix, she was clueless. I mean, we, we, we came home, and I went to pop in Reloaded the next night, and she was like, I do not know what happened in The Matrix. <laughs> so we watched a very detailed breakdown of The Matrix so that she could catch up, and then we moved on. But... Like Dan is saying, the 4DX experience was lacking. What they really did was track every punch and kick, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So that when you watch, for example, the scene in the dojo where Neo and Morpheus are really unveiling the kung fu of the movie, it is like you are being karate chopped like a hundred times yeah. in the back. Every block is a punch. Every punch is a punch. Every kick hits you in the back. It was just like I know. And when that lot. happened, I was like, <laughs> all right, they're really doing the thing. So all I was... The whole time, I was just looking forward to the scene with Morpheus sitting in the fucking building with the helicopter and all the bullets are hitting the water. Right. And I was like, we are going to be drenched. It is going to be fucking pouring. <laughs> bullets. It is going to be just soaking wet in this theater. Mm -hmm. It was not. Yeah, I don't think the water function was turned on. Uh, Well, Kat is adamant that she got sprayed. The people in front of us were getting sprayed. But yeah, my, my and row I, was I saw there were some seats that had the fucking little spray thing. Right. But how and some get... didn't. Yeah. My row straight up didn't have one. Same. Interesting. I don't know what happened there. It's fucked. Um, and beyond that... If it weren't like our birthday and there weren't like 20 people there, I would have gone full Jew and like been complaining at the front desk. Like, give me <laughs> my money back. Um, 
the 20 people that we were with though we were all like in different various states of being like fucked up and yeah. the first i was hammered me too and the first moment that the 40x machine turned on and all the seats moved when like they were showing trinity in the very first scene yeah. you could hear the entire row that we were in everyone just started laughing yeah it was like 20 people being like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it was just uh it was funny <laughs> yeah um, i felt bad for the other people in that theater um so uh let's give a golden gun rating to the original matrix with respect to all three other movies now being rated and scored and uh dan why don't you start us off and explain your reasoning you want me to rate the matrix one and as per, as per always if you are not a listener to this podcast we score everything one out of ten golden guns yeah. um although today only the matrix four will be officially reported to yeah. our scoreboard last time we discussed well so at the beginning of the pandemic i rewatched all of them and i gave my scores for all of them on the podcast okay i, I didn't re-listen that episode so i don't i do know that i gave the matrix one a 12 out of 10 at a time interesting uh this time i'm gonna temper it down to a 10 out of 10 but i'm gonna stick, i'm gonna 10. stick with the 10 out of 10 okay um it was probably the 50th time in my life i watched the matrix mm -hmm. uh the 40x purely i it did nothing besides well, make me giggle a couple times the 40x but, is not part of this yeah movie. no the movie movie for holds, the listener to understand movie holds up uh i think it's uh there's a lot that i find hilarious that i never found funny in the past mm. uh but which is mostly just based around like keanu Reeves' terrible acting mm. but yeah, no, that movie, that movie fucking rules. It holds up. Um, there are aspects that are just surprisingly, uh, like the the practical effects in that one really stand out compared to the other ones, which leans so hard on fucking digital everything. Hmm. There are some practical effects in that one that I really enjoy. Um, hmm. Compared to the rest of the series, yeah, stands far, far away, far and above. Ten out of ten. Okay. The Matrix. Um. So I, I have the Matrix 1 at an 8.9. Okay. Um, but I think I'll move it to a 9. But I do want to say why it was moved to an 8.9. I would say okay. uh, right after I saw the Matrix, that was a 10 out of 10 for years afterwards. That score was unchanged. Um, the sequels came out. I wouldn't say that uh, Reloaded and Revolutions changed that score. Um, pretty much kept it the same. Um, what has changed for me at this point is kind of twofold. Um one is that I don't think that certain aspects of The Matrix 1 have held up. Um, and seeing it in theaters really reinforced that. Um, for example, bullet time. Any bullet time section, um, of which there's maybe three shots in the entire movie where they use that theater in the round, 360 cameras taking yeah. a photo at once. Um, the frame rate of those bullet time sequences is so choppy, and it is clearly a product of its time so maybe the complaint is that they've aged poorly they are revolutionary but in terms of what because think about it's it it's also when... like they're now they're being played on like hd digital projectors it's sure a, it's a, it's... well that's that's the world i live in where i have to rejudge these things i can't be like well this looked great when i was a kid now it's at the but, point but where... i think if you went and watched it on 16 millimeter it would look killer which is like maybe that's how, that's how it that's how it was i'll give you that i don't think that's a fair um oh, that's, that's like fair. being like the frame rate looks weird when i have true motion on on my TV. well here's the thing the problem is that you're under the supposition, like many people, when they f saw the first Matrix, that bullet time is some revolutionary filmmaking tool that blew the doors off of action forever, blah, blah, blah. That's not true. It lasted for two years, 
three years maximum um, and was abused by every terrible action yeah, movie absolutely, incorrectly. Absolutely destroyed. Then it was realized, even by the Wachowskis themselves, very quickly, that they would never use that system again because now they can do everything with CGI. Right. Now, there is an argument that everything being CGI, such as in Reloaded, makes everything look like Gumby and, and yeah. too rubbery and... Super rubbery. But it's very clear that Bullet Time didn't do what in 1999, everyone said Bullet Time was going to do, which is revolutionize the way we look at action, revolutionize cinema forever, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Who could have known that, that every movie wouldn't be able to afford to surround their entire <laughs> fucking set with like 100 360 um, gyro videos? So yeah, some of the effects have not aged well of The Matrix. Um, seeing them on a big screen kind of poked those holes for me, and, and it really felt like when they went into Bullet Time that it was a separate piece of media that was hacked into the movie that I was watching because it just truly looked nothing like the rest of the movie in a unattractive way. But what really hammers home the fact that I can't give it a 10 is, is retroactive uh, destruction. Um, Matrix 2 and 3, if they did anything, it was expand the universe to a degree where the original Matrix movie appears quaint. Now, if you like what they did in two and three, or if you didn't, that isn't what I'm saying. I'm saying that it was made very clear that the Matrix one was a very small opening into the world of the Matrix. And now that we're on four, it's kind of like when you go back and watch the first Friday the 13th and there isn't a Jason and there isn't a uh, machete. It's just like a dude with a bag on his head and his mommy. Yeah. Um, now, that, is this a fair criticism? Doesn't, I'm not really isn't sure. Isn't the first Friday the 13th? Jason doesn't show That's up until the last shot. Yeah, yeah, it's just his mom. Yeah. Uh, the second one, I think, is back yeah. on the head. Um, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that there is something that has happened to this first Matrix movie where I watched it this time and was like, you know, if this movie had never had a sequel, it would always be a 10 out of 10 to me. If this movie was unmolested by its own creators and beyond, fine. Um, but it wasn't. And it to me now in the scope of the entire series seems very quaint um and not a lot happens in in terms of the machine city the future you see less than five minutes or so of that so it yeah. really I mean, it, it's so much of the movie has to be spent setting up the fucking concept in a way that like a person in 1999 can even wrap their head around what they're watching. Sure. I it's mean, it's like all an, tell and don't yeah, show. Yeah, it's it like an, an entire hour and 15 and minutes show. of just exposition dumps. Right, which is not great. I'm going to I'm gonna be honest, because in the second and third movie, you get to see everything, which is the same argument as the prequel trilogy for Star Wars, where like they talked about the Clone Wars and wasn't that nice, but then you see all of it, and it's like, oh, fuck, like, ugh. And then, like, then you show it to someone like Rachel, who's never seen any of them, and watches A New Hope, and by the time you're on Revenge of the Sith, A New Hope seems like an indie movie right. made for $100. Now, I'm not saying I'm fallible to just like hating incredible entries in filmmaking because their sequels like had more money. It's about to them. turn into you saying like the sequels are better than the Matrix. Absolutely one. not. Okay. The Matrix one is clearly the best Matrix movie okay. by a metric fuck ton. Um, okay. And I wish if you could give me the choice, I would erase all of them. Two, three, and four. Get just get rid of them. Yeah, because the Matrix was so potent and so powerful for its time, and should have been left alone. But as we'll see with the Matrix Four, it's not even the creator's choice to leave these things alone anymore. They're going to happen regardless. Yeah. So it's up to them whether they want to step in and make their own or not. Um, we'll get to those. Let's start with 
reloaded. Yep. Um, this was the worst Matrix movie from my rewatch. Of hey, all four of these. look who's come around to my side. Um, as I've told Dan many times, uh, the Matrix reloaded bangs. The third one is fucking yeah. terrible. We need to. We need to. God, I wish we had the clip of this discussion from when I at the beginning of COVID gave my ratings of the three, and you lost your shit over me saying that the second one was the worst one. Well, Dan, if it makes you feel good it to does. start off season five, you are right. Oh, it's such a nice feeling. Wow. Um, the second one sucks. Um, no, I'm just kidding. The second one was the best one. Surprise, motherfucker. Uh, no, it, no <laughs> it, was, it was the worst. Um, and it's the worst uh, for all different reasons. A, it's got weird pervert energy throughout that makes absolutely yes. no sense. And it's all it's all just action with no story. Like right. They swung the pendulum in sure. the exact opposite direction. It's so weird. Basically, and, and I want to get this out of the way real quick up front, these are hard movies to judge because every person, unlike Star Wars, unlike Harry Potter even, these movies have different crowds. This They almost resemble the Alien movies where it's like the reason that there are such bad reviews for some of them is because everyone walks into the next one with expectations from the last one and what they liked about it. So if you watched The Matrix 1 and you were like, I like bullet time and I like and kung fu and a dark, like spooky- And like heady story. Yeah, well, I like, you know, that's the other crowd is I like to be intellectually challenged by philosophical ideas that track and Which, reflect that's me our with the world. Matrix. The Matrix One, like all the bullet time and the action, is all secondary to me. Like, exactly, it's, it's the fucking, it's the concept right. that I fall in love with. But as you've seen from the Rental Zone and from uh, human, yeah, people kind just want to jerk off to f fucking fight scenes. Yes, people want to jerk off to. Shout fight out scenes. to my drummer Foster, um, <laughs> who fucking loves jerking off. Who loves jerking off, and has been complaining for three straight weeks about the lack of fight scenes. Um, yes, yeah, so that seems to be a complaint um, that has gone across all the movies, which is not enough of this, not enough of that. That's what happens when your first movie can be interpreted as a action blockbuster or a heady sci-fi, you know, watermark, like just a huge moment for the entire industry. Like, so it is tough um, for me as a 34-year-old adult. The Matrix Reloaded does not play anymore. The philosophy is where it's most lacking. Yeah. Um, there's not a single through line of philosophical discussion. Like the first one's very clear. It's like, um, you know, living in a simulation, um, control. There are all these like very basic concepts that permeate. Yeah. The Matrix Reloaded is just like an entire textbook of nonsense, but yeah. only like the first chapter of each book. The it's Matrix Reloaded is like the biggest example I can think of, of like filmmakers having a hit first film and then just being so hung up on their own fucking farts, just sniffing their own farts, being like, oh, we've right. been told we're revolutionizing action. So let's just triple down and make the movie just full of egregious action because we are the best at action. Right. And we have the headiest, most philosophical sci-fi ideas of a generation. Let's just fucking throw a novel's worth of ideas into a movie fuck subtlety like that being said if you did walk into reloaded being like i want action i want action i i, I won't lie I, I think that reloaded has the best action scene in the entire series which is the highway chase yeah um the highway chase is accompanied by 10 minutes of the best most pulse pounding fucking score yeah ever yeah. it's playing in the background right now you can hear it but it's basically like the uh, strings of the Matrix interspersed with this 
deep, beating, hallucinogen fucking beat. Yeah. It's just so fucking good. Um, they built that highway. It is really one of the last pieces of large-scale practical filmmaking, I think, ever in, in Hollywood. They built a mile plus of track to destroy for months. Um, the, the motorcycle chase, like that is really a person weaving between, now some of the vehicles are digital, but a lot of them were really there. Um, it's just an incredible scene. It has like five fights within it. Yeah. Um, it has movements. Yeah. Now that kind of shit is what the entire series, two, three, and four needed more of to be an action movie, but that's not right. it because Reloaded, instead of being an action movie, it is like one of the most paceless, like yeah, much more potent than the fucking fight with the goddamn twins in the fucking in the mansion or whatever. Yeah, the Merovingian yeah. that whole part. Um, yeah, yeah, but that that kind of kicks off the highway chase. But as soon as they get in the cars, it's yeah, like game over it, yeah. for me. Like my my heart was fucking beating out of my chest during that, yeah. and like hearing that on my sound system too. That oh, score yeah. is so yeah. fucking good. Um, but yeah, the movie has no pace. I I vividly remember seeing Reload in theaters opening night and being so stoked for it and like being like, all right, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm, I'm having trouble following this one in a way that I didn't in the previous one. And then that scene happening and being like, oh, yes, this is about to become the greatest Matrix movie and probably the greatest trilogy in history. And then that scene, that scene ends and there's a steep drop off from there on out. I also want to, uh, before we go too much further, want to just bring up one thing that started to annoy me about the Matrix movies in general. Um and that is that if you look at Star Wars, is, is uh, this is a good e example, or at least a solid enough analogy, uh, lightsabers in Star Wars, they're not thematically pointless. The reason that they are swords is because it's like a, a like a samurai, classic, westernish type feel. This is the weapon that that character uses, so it kind of thematically works. It makes sense. I like it. It goes with it at the end. The Matrix 2 and 3 especially have this fetishistic obsession with hand-to-hand -hand combat that <laughs> that okay fine the first one had great hand-to-hand -hand combat i would argue that the lobby scene is a more iconic action scene than any of the hand-to-hand -hand stuff yeah, in the matrix of course. the um, lobby scene the only reason i want to see it in 4dx was for the lobby scene sure and and that brings me to my point which is why kung fu <laughs> they're in a limitless simulation right. and it gets to a point in two and three dan where every character protagonist antagonist masters is communicating through just hand-to-hand -hand kung fu yeah when oh, anything yeah. is possible in yeah. your simulation gravity um the laws of physics in every level just why just why after this much why does neo have to get in a 10 minute karate chop battle it is so fucking obsessively overdone and it gets to a point where uh, people whose complaint about four is not enough action, not enough action. One of those pieces of not enough action is like, why did you think that there has to be so much hand-to-hand -hand combat right. in this? Because the Wachowski brothers, now sisters, weren't kung fu masters. They had um, one guy that essentially really choreographed everything in those movies who no longer is alive. Right. Um, but the ultimate point is like, but why? I understand there's some Eastern ideas in it. I understand what they're going it, for. It, it's like everyone expected that four needed to and always be a natural escalation from three. Right. Because two was from one and sure. three was from two. Right. But like four is like more comparable to one in terms of yes. like the amount of actual combat. Yes. Like Kung Fu 
maybe not so much, but I would argue that if you look at the Wachowskis' filmography, they're not fucking like Ang Lee. Right. There's no other 10 movies of Kung Fu that they've thrown down the gauntlet yeah. on where you're like, oh, those Wachowskis, <laughs> They're like man. not John Woo where there's just doves everywhere. <laughs> Dude, exa- exactly. Like, that's the problem is people walking in and being like, this is an action movie. This is a Kung Fu movie. Now, again, if two, three, and four never happened, yes, one would be a Kung Fu movie. But two and three is so, has so yeah. many heady ideas Yeah, and, they and built scenes. an entire universe where two and three spent four hours, like, basically demonstrating that the universe that we're living with is one in which people only communicate via hand-to-hand combat. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, look at Ready Player One. Look at anything that's dealt with large-scale simulation dramas, essentially. Yeah. You don't see that anywhere. It's just like, okay... The Wachowskis in 1999 liked kung fu movies, and they wanted to bring something over to U.S. audiences that they hadn't really seen with white faces all over the screen. And and they did it, and it was great, but why are we still doing this three movies in? Why is there have to be a scene of 100-plus <laughs> karate chops and blocks? It's fucking goofy. If you are in a simulation, spawn a fucking laser gun, get it over with. Yeah. It's just ludicrous and then the other problem is you've hyped up neo he's 10 out of 10 op at this point and he is resorting to kung fu choppy boys right. for a thousand hours right. in a row it's like dude you can bend physics yeah do that's not what, fight that's people what i never understood with the sequels is that we see at the end of the first one like matrix like neo now sees the world for the fucking matrix code that it is like he is on god mode like he with his eyes closed can fight everything with one hand right. like and then does the idea that <laughs> the idea that there's any stakes in him being in a kung fu fight right. for the rest of the movies is ludicrous and, like, and the king of that is the agent smith fight yeah where when i was a kid i won't lie i love that scene i used to watch it on my portable dvd player. you're talking about with the like thousand yeah. agent smiths with an eight inch screen on a portable <laughs> dvd player I used to CGI watch it again and again and again uh, now it's now it's absolutely ludicrous not only because of the way it looks but just the idea behind it, it makes absolutely yeah, no sense once again we're watching him engage in a battle he doesn't need to be in and at any point could fly away and, and chooses not to yeah. and it's just fucking stupid um matrix reloaded 6.8 is what i'm giving it on the golden gun rating scale which is kind of terrible and i feel bad about but it's just it is what it is yeah i don't remember what i gave it last time i think last time i actually gave it a 6.9 i'm probably going to stick with uh, no, I, I think 6.8 is fair, honestly. Like, okay. I don't see myself ever watching The Matrix Reloaded again. Like, right. 10 years from now, however many, like, if I'm in, ever in a situation where I'm showing my future kid The Matrix, like, I feel like I would show them The Matrix and The Animatrix, and that's it. Hmm. Okay. I don't feel the same way, but okay. Um, Matrix Reloaded. We just talked about that. I mean, Revolutions. Yep. They didn't make it easy. <laughs> I like the Xbox naming <laughs> corporation. It's yeah. like Matrix Matrix One, Revolution Matrix One S. Yeah. Matrix S I. Yeah. Um Matrix Revolutions. Uh this one fared much better. Or as I call it, the Matrix, but with a black woman. <laughs> um Are you talking about Niobe? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's so, there's literally like 10 or 15 black people in Matrix Reloaded Revolutions. But <laughs> I don't remember what happens in Reloaded. <laughs> I, de- um, I definitely struggle to, to differentiate two and three. Oh, I thought you were going to say like, I struggle. No, to... stop. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, three uh, immediately ruins its good faith uh, as they do a throwback to the lobby scene in the first ten minutes. Um, a huge action scene with all the characters. The problem is um, there's gigantic Powerade and Samsung billboards all over the train station they're fighting in, which was a horrendous addition to that uh, visual palette. Yeah. Um, so that right off the bat is like the kind of stuff they were not self-aware of at the time. But having watched The Matrix 4, they're now very self-aware of. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Matrix 3, I think, benefits from the Zion fight. Without that conclusion and visual overload, it really wouldn't have that much. Um, but uh, what I appreciate about Revolutions is, uh, beyond the Zion stuff, is also... Um, the ending, I do like uh, him being blind, I do like the travel to the Machine City, yeah. I think all of that is thematically resonant, and I do like how they finally uh, hunkered down on Neo and Trinity's relationship being an important thing that you could connect to. It just feels like a movie in the way that the second one doesn't. The second yes. one feels like almost like a tech demo for yeah. like two straight hours. of it, like. It also feels like a, a connector piece to yeah. three yeah. in a way that is not attractive. Three, I feel like, is a, is a pretty self-sustaining movie in a way that I like. But it's full of bullshit, too. For sure. Um, the but the, th the third act makes it worth it, I feel. Like, yeah. everyone, everyone... Some people Everyone's complaining about it is the very ending. Like, the rainbow, like, whatever. The rainbow's whatever. Yeah. But, like, okay, that's, like, a little tag at the end of what was just, like, an epic climax. Um... I think it is an epic climax, and I know some people hate that last war in Zion. Um, I like that. Uh, I like the train conductor scenario. Um, that scene with Sati and her parents yeah. has a lot of actual good philosophy yeah. that thematically resonates with the series. God forbid that happens in the sequels at any time. Right. Um, uh, and something about it just felt like like you were saying more of a movie um i don't mind the final battle with agent smith even though it's kind of like we've been here a thousand times um i think that that final battle in the rain has some pretty cool like anime power blast moments yeah, yeah. that still looked amazing um on 4k and just that movie is just gorgeous the final fight scene with zion on my tv was orgasmic uh to look at so yeah i bet um yeah so for me um a nine for the first one, an eight point six for the second one, and for the third one. Wait, the second. I mean, the second, second one, one is six point eight. Eight point six. Doing a little, uh, little inversion, like the biscuits songs. Um, and then uh, revolutions. This is a. This is like the toughest one for me to grade. Okay. But I'm gonna say an. Oh God. An eight. Damn it! That's one point less than the first. That's one. exactly. What That's I'm... the problem. There's not enough numbers to do this. I'd have to do this like. I know for 100. a fact that when we did it, when I did my mini reviews, that I gave the first one a 10 out of 10 or 12 out of 10, and I gave the third one um, an 8 out of 10, and you were shooketh. Yeah, no, I'm I'm feeling uh I'm feeling the vibes now. I'm good with 8 out of 10 yeah. for, for Revolutions. It's just a fucking epic movie. Yeah, um, I'm sticking with 8 out of 10 too. Love it. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have the like blow my mind like psych psychology of the first one and like mm -hmm. the pathos, but I I lost at the time I lost so much fucking they lost so much goodwill with me like even when I saw Re uh, Reloaded in theaters and everyone was going ape shit over it I left that movie with my dad being like the highway scene was awesome but the movie itself was terrible and extremely I, ham fisted. I didn't feel that way. I left both Matrix sequels 
satisfied but aware that th it was a different product that I liked less. Yeah. And that I liked the first one less as a result of experiencing mm. the second and the third yeah. one, no, which like now has one. a reckoning all these years later. The third one felt like a good wrap-up. Um, okay. Are you ready to move on to the um, main dish of the day? The Matrix Reloaded 2. The Matrix Reloaded 2. X. How did we get here, dear listener? Um, let me take you back to the history of the Movie Blues podcast, um, the crux of the Movie Blues podcast. And that is what, Dan? That is one of us loves a Wachowski movie and thinks that... Oh, I, was like, how, an, I was like, how are you going to fold this into Ace Ventura 2? And thinks that it is an underrated gem, a masterpiece, if you will. And much of this podcast has been based off of how bad I, DS Lyons, feel about that, Dan Enden's, opinion of Speed Racer. Um, now, we try... 10 out of 10. We try... You know what? If Speed Racer's 10 out of 10, Matrix is like a 9. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> now, for if you are unaware, uh, Speed Racer, the movie that we've been arguing about for five full seasons, is a Wachowski joint. It is the movie they put out directly after The Matrix Revolutions. Um... I, a real return to form. I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel as if that movie is the loss of their form, the crashing of their career, the overexposure of their limited talent. Um, and I think that carried through into their next film, which was Jupiter Ascending. Um, I really think those two films back to back are two of the worst movies ever created um, and, and put out there into the ether. Um, on this very podcast, we have reviewed both of them. Um, Speed Racer, I gave a point two at the time. <laughs> mind you, mind you, if you go back to the first time that Speed Racer, I've uncovered some uh, dirty skeletons in Dan Lyon's closet mm. by re-listening to season one recently. Right. And I've noticed that his, over time, his uh, his characterization of Speed Racer has been a real uh, a real caricaturization. Almost like a, like a, the same arc as uh, Sean on Boy Meets World. How he starts as a normal, measured person and by the end is just like a complete fucking idiot psycho. Uh, Dan, uh, oh, it, by the way, Dan, great analogy you just made there. Thank you. Just want you to know you are the analogy master. <laughs> Keep it up. The, Thanks, the listeners love it. Thanks, bud. Uh, Dan, uh, Dan described initially described Speed Racer as nice to look at, quote, Oh my god, oh, oh my god, and uh, described himself as having enjoyed seeing it, his time watching it in the theaters. Yeah. You can watch the man's descent into madness over the subsequent four seasons, as every time it comes up, he increasingly tries to double down on his own bullshit. Well, look, that now he gave, that he ended up giving it a point two out of ten. I had to rewatch it for this podcast, Dan. This is a podcast where I just had to take a point off the Matrix, <laughs> the seminal work, the Matrix. So yeah, I mean it. You know, cool, great colors. Uh, Rewatching it, horrifying, just terrible. Um, anyway, Dan gave it an eight point seven five, which he is now said is a ten. Um, and no, I stick with, I stick with eight point seven five. I hover between that and a nine. Okay. Um, rewatched it. Rewatched in the last few weeks, actually. It's not shocking. It's killer. 
Anyway, um, so then we moved on to Jupiter Ascending. Different experience. Uh, which other people, not us, but other people think is an underrated Wachowski gem masterpiece. Granted, the amount of people who think that is about 12 yeah. on planet Earth. Um, what did we give that movie, Dan? Um, let's see on our, our new yeah. handy movie blue score sheet. We gave, um, we gave Jupiter Ascending. You gave it a one and I gave it a two. How did I even give it a one? How did you even give it a two? It, we really should my, have, my we should have double zeroed that. My rationale out now at the time was that we had recently watched Anti-Coronavirus, which was like a true zero out of zero, yeah, whereas true. at okay. least Jupiter Ascending had a couple digital set pieces that were nice to look at. And I don't want to break my own rule that I was screaming at everyone in the rental zone about giving Matrix 4 a zero, where even any movie that has any basic filmmaking tenants in it needs to at least be a one. Right. Um, so yeah, that makes sense score-wise. Um, and that brings us to here. Now, let's just say that walking into this, what were our perceptions of how The Matrix 4 was going to play out? Um, Keeping in mind that we have no idea how each other feel about this movie currently. No. We've, I've got a pretty good idea, but no. We've successfully, we've successfully kept the moratorium going for longer than we ever have, I think. A couple weeks. Yeah. And we've had to listen to a lot of your opinions about it, too, uh, dear listeners. And we have not been able to say anything. The only thing I said was any movie that is, is operates um, as a movie needs to get a one. That's why recently I gave Ghostbusters Afterlife a one, because it was a movie. Yeah. Uh, Anti-Coronavirus, which we double zeroed, or Son of the Mask, which we double zeroed. Both should rot in hell. I um, gave a zero to Live and Let Die. Yeah, that is... Uh, that's upsetting, but you... <laughs> Go back and listen to the Live and Let Die episode, dear listener, and you will hear that we were both mentally double zeros by the end of that recording session. Um, uh, so, yeah, sometimes we rate things out of anger. That's what Dan is trying to say by by saying that. Um, the movie was fucking hilarious. Um, and <laughs> Fat Man didn't do so hot either. <laughs> that was terrible, man. But you gave it the same rating that you gave Cuties. Yeah, that's that seems right. <laughs> <laughs> they were both like really missed opportunities. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Uh, um, so um, <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk about the Matrix Four. Um, walking into this Wait, one, which is called Matrix Resurrections. Resurrections. So it's like Alien Resurrection, which was also the fourth in a franchise. Yeah. Emphasis oh, with an S. on the erections. Um, and. Uh, uh, walking into this one, as you uh, would have heard if you've been listening to the Lost Boys um, miniseries that we did, Dan said that this was going to be, quote, fucking terrible. <laughs> um, he was actually giddy at the prospect of how <laughs> terrible this movie was going to be. <laughs> Obviously, the Reynolds' own reaction to it has been vile and negative. Polarizing. Um, polarizing, I would say. Polarizing, yeah. Once we look at the scores. Well, we'll no, it, there's no one. there's no one who feels as strongly positively about it. As the people who feel strongly negatively about it. So, are you ready to talk about The Matrix Resurrections? I'm so ready. I will start with two sentences of basic hyperbole that will alienate half of our listenership and embolden uh, the other half and maybe just Andre. Um, <laughs> this movie, for me, was the best actual Matrix sequel this was a movie that challenged the notions of not only its own existence, but the existence of the first film, the existence of reboots, remakes, reimaginings. 
Um, this was the first movie since the first movie to challenge the viewer intellectually, which is something two and three were sorely missing for me. Um, this was clearly not as good as the first Matrix movie. There's no world where I would say that this is even leagues better than two or three. Um, I will say that this movie really did it for me. I really enjoyed it. Not only was it a meta 90s disclosure type of weird introspection on, as you know, my favorite genre, which is like techno 90s thriller with no self-awareness. Yeah. This was like a techno techno 90s thriller with complete self-awareness. Um, it was a moving and emotional expression from Lana Wachowski about how she feels as being the creator of this gargantuan franchise that she seemingly regrets having involvement involvement in at many different levels and has probably made her life very annoying many times over. And um, beyond that being a total knockout for me, the other major stable of this movie that did it for me is the non-matrix continuation and natural evolution of the science fiction mythos set up mostly in two and three. But the bottom line for me is that this was a movie that felt like a Matrix movie. If you look at Force Awakens, if you look at any of these movies that reboot a series decades later, they don't feel like they're in the same universe. It doesn't matter what they do, how many member berries they cram down your throat. Ghostbusters Afterlife did not feel like it was in the same universe as the Ghostbusters movies. It doesn't matter if they brought back Harold Ramis as a ghost. This movie felt on both of its sides, the Matrix side and the quote real world side, as if it were a direct continuation and a reaction to the movies that came before it. This was, in my mind, the perfect kind of sequel, one that is not trying to be the original film again, one that is not trying to please a large group of idiots. This was a challenging, underrated masterpiece from the Wachowskis. I will be simping for this stupid fucking movie for as long as I need to simp for it. I truly enjoyed it. Anyone who thought that it was anything less than a six or a seven on the rating scale is woefully misunderstanding the purpose, function, and profound genius of this film. Dan, your thoughts? I'm sh I'm shocked. I'm sh shook to my core. Um, I feel like after that, I, I need to hear your score. Eight out of ten. Okay. So, uh, this has thrown me for a loop for how I was going to approach this. Um, so I think I've I've had a big struggle in not writing reviews in the rental zone. We both have. People have been going on and off on. So I think. I need to pivot and my what I need to do is just read to you my summation review. Okay. This is Dan's letterboxed. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Action scenes feel sterile and inconsequential. Neo is entirely too OP in this one. There are unparalleled Bondian expo dumps that I've never seen the likes of which before in a modern movie. There's no stakes, who cares about trilogy, bad music, bad action. And yet, it's the only sequel that naturally expands on the heady commentary and philosophical ideas in the first one. A nihilistic blast. 8.5 out of 10. Yes! <laughs> yes! Okay. So many things. First of all, I do want to disagree really quick. I don't understand where you're getting one thing you said in there from. 
Neo is too OP in this one. He couldn't do anything no, in this. All one. he has is he a couldn't fucking, do anything. All he has is a force shield, and it doesn't matter. Sure, it doesn't matter. But he, he just, also couldn't his, fly. His pure, he his pure existence is OP in this one. It's hilarious. I think that's silly considering the two movies that came before it. He's actually OP. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and OP to the point where it actually ruins the movie. But it's it's he's OP in that one because he has these severe powers. In this one, he does nothing, and he's he's Teflon. Fine. I let's say this. I think this is a nitpick. Yeah, for um, sure. Because when you when you said a nihilistic film, that is so true. I mean the the vibe, the fucking balls and audacity of Lana Wachowski to be yeah. like, I am gonna come in here. And not only throw my middle finger up to Warner Brothers, because yeah. as is public knowledge now, Warner Brothers, as they say in the movie, was within a year of developing a new Matrix movie. Yeah. Um, said movie was going to be penned by Zach Penn, who is our patron saint of the Movie Blues podcast, if you don't know who we're talking about. Please go back and listen to the Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan episode, especially before next week's episode of Old. Um, but uh, look, man, this could have been... The Force Awakens. It could have been a shitty kung fu rehash garbage impression of The Matrix. Everyone, based on what you just said, everyone in my band can attest to. Uh, we, we've talked about this movie a lot because mm. I haven't been able to talk about it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And Foster's been viscerally angry about it. And all I just keep saying is, are you kidding me? The balls on Lana Wachowski mm. to make this movie. Incredible. And just because, like, dude, what it comes down to for me is... The expectations for two were so unfathomably high that even with two pulling off the highway scene, which is one of like the most impressive feats of action filmmaking of all time, people still came out of that movie shitting on it. And sure. then when and when three happened, the reaction was like visceral. Sure. There was nothing. How are you gonna top the there action? There was nothing in those. they could do to top it if they were going to try to make another movie like that that wasn't going to upset people. Right. Not only that. Sure. None of the action in those movies is revolutionary anymore. Now every fucking action movie that sure. you throw a rock at that goes straight to DVD has a bullet time scene, yep. has digital set pieces, the likes of that. Like, none of that holds up. The big thing that made the Matrix, the Matrix have its lasting impact to me was the fact that I'd never seen anything like it. Right. It completely left such an unbelievably lasting impression that even when I watch it today and those scenes visually don't hold up, it still makes me feel that nostalgia to feeling like, oh... There's like a future to filmmaking that I didn't realize was possible. Sure. And but m way more than that, its impact for me was that it was a movie that made me think about the world in a way that I never had and think about the direction of our current society mm -hmm. and think about things that were not I never it never would have occurred to me or possible. Just such heady sci-fi ideas that the two the second two were just sorely lacking. Right. This one felt with its premise, everyone's like, it's so meta and self-aware but like that's what our fucking society has become 100%. like our society has become what the first movie was basically foreboding against yeah and the only way if you're not going to be able to top all the action what you should do is fucking quadruple down on like the initial conceit of the first one yes which was that like technology is pretty fucked up and can get us to a place that we don't like living and this one right. was just like this one was as if the people who wrote the first one were looking around at society and were like, this is way worse and way more cynical than I thought it was going to be when I wrote the first script. 
My, there, there's too much in real life to make fun of for this right. movie to have been serious. Sure. And it doesn't. I was like, it was. It, I I saw it as a comedy. I was laughing throughout it, the it entire was. first act. It had many comedic elements. And it ended, and I was just like, I was like, I can't believe that's the fucking direction they went on. I thought maybe they would touch upon it when I saw everyone on the Reynolds one because I didn't watch it opening night. Everyone talking about how meta it was. I was like, oh, there's gonna be a couple meta jokes. When I saw how meta the thing mm. was, immediately, too. I was like, how could you not throw up props to a movie that's that right. self-aware of itself? its own shortcomings in terms of the plot holes and corners they've written themselves into mm -hmm. the absurdity of its fan base and the absurdity of its expectations right. and the absurdity of trying to create a movie of that scale in a world where we're in the middle of a pandemic and no one can even go to the movies successfully sure like it just like it would do i it did it for me i loved it uh, a couple things i mean to touch on many of the things that you were saying it introduced no less than 10 or 15 ideas i've never thought of in my entire life um whether it's the exomorphic particles that create the new Morpheus program yeah. that he's able to interact with in the real world. Um, and when I say 10 ideas I'd never thought of, I mean about the Matrix. Right. Um, Lana Wachowski could have so, I, I can't stress this enough, so easily turned her career around from Jupiter Ascending and Speed Racer. Whatever you think about those movies, they negatively impacted the Wachowskis. Yeah. She could have so easily phoned this movie in and repaired probably herself financially, yeah. but reputation Got a ton of goodwill. Gone back to having the reputation of being an action star. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's not what interests her. What the, fucking interests yeah, her is the it, relationships right. between the fucking characters. What is fascinating about this movie to me is that the first film is about us versus the machines. The resolution of the original films had to cause something, right? Had to change not only the Matrix, but the real world. And what you see in this movie is that instead of us versus the machines, it's us actually being able to get along with the machines in and out of the Matrix, right. whether it's our relationship to the Matrix, whether it's our relationship with the actual machines in the machine and world. And just, just showing how non-binary the no pun intended right how non-binary like the actual central conflict of the first three movies really is right where it, like, this one was basically like uh, an era of peace has happened because of the original movies that has changed the socio-political atmosphere at all levels and you see glimpses of it um in io the new it never, city it never in a million years occurred to me that they would have made like the real world in this movie be like they had also evolved culturally mm -hmm. to how they handle technology i w never imagined for a second that there would be anything but a direct rip directly from what the vibe of the real world was yeah. from two and three and what's interesting is in the trailers for this movie almost no shots of the real world no yeah. what fascinated me as a nerd also on top of all of this genius shit that was going on is that they showed you more of the machine city than you've ever seen they showed you things in it that were super fucking cool. Yeah. Neo and Trinity's, like, um, Adam and Eve-powered battery station that they were basically plugged into <laughs> yeah. was a really cool idea that looked fucking awesome. All of their robot friends looked fucking awesome. And what bothers me is that people are so hung up that about the action that now on my second watch of, the, of this movie, last night and the night before I basically split it, um, it's just gorgeous. Like, there are tableaus in and out of the matrix whether it's 
um, Niobe reminiscing about how the machines once fought each other and they show her for a brief yeah. moment over the, the crest of a hill as the machines are literally squaring yeah. off to fight against each other. Whether it's the tableau of Neo stepping off of a roof as everyone reaches for him to stop him from committing suicide. There are these gorgeous visual moments that honestly, if you watch Cloud Atlas and Jupiter Ascending, they had all of that in there, but the movies were so fucking bad and, and not aware of themselves that you couldn't enjoy any of it. It just looked like Drek. Yeah. This one, I found all the fantasy elements satisfying. All of how the- about, How about the kamikaze scene with all the fucking- Loved it, the swarm. Dude, yeah. That was wait, cool. Wait, wait, just, but just like them, the shot of the panning through the city and everyone just kamikaze head Bro. diving out of buildings. Cut That two. was more potent than a single shot in, in Matrix 2, two besides the highway, maybe. Yeah. But um, like I'd I'd never had a moment where I was like, oh, this is like a horror film for a second. Dude, like cut this to was a like, guy dude. sleeping in bed with his wife. Like Yeah. Oh yeah. And he wakes up in the mid in the midst of all this chaos, this quiet little scene, he wakes up and throws himself out the window. Yeah. She's screaming. He throws himself out the window and then the camera track follows him like 30 stories yeah. down and head first scene, into a car. Like that scene is what I thought I was going to get out of the movie The Happening. Like when yeah, I, like when I read the plot, just and saw like the trailer, suicide chaos. Frenzy. I was like, "This is going to be dark in that way," and it said it was like a comedy. This, like, I was like, "That dude is in bed with his wife and just got up and fucking swan dove off of a fucking skyscraper." It's harrowing. Um, I, yeah, I mean, like I just... the action. It like yes, the action in this movie, it's bad. I don't. I, I don't agree with. I that. think. I think it's bad, but like, I, like I just the don't. Train I just, scene. I, I just don't. Was... I don't care. The right. I. That's the point, though. Yeah. Too. Like the fucking dude, the scene with the fucking where the the peanut gallery and he's fucking yelling about the goddamn like well, we're gonna make a spinoff and um, like as if it's the old guys in the Muppet Show. Right. I was like, I was like, okay, this is a little heavy-handed with the metaness, but because because the action in the scene is not good, but like I just I don't care because it's it's they were making the statement of like. The action. Your grandpa's matrix. The baby. action was always tertiary to the conceit yes. and the ideas, which smart viewers were always aware of. Which like, which doofuses who literally are pissed that there was no kung fu in this right. movie, even though I mean there was, but like, all the things that people wanted in this movie, action wise, yeah. were in it. But what those people don't realize is that that was never the point of any of these things, and not how any of them became actually potent. If, if the first Matrix movie was just about a hacker named Thomas Anderson who shoots up a, a government lobby like a school, it, it would be a cool movie. I would have loved that movie. Great movie, but well, like, but it, would, but like it wouldn't have spawned three sequels right. and been this huge sci-fi franchise w watershed moment. Yeah. Um, what it comes down to is that like... The action was what sold the franchise as a sci-fi epic as sure. opposed to just like a little what could have easily been an indie flick about heady ideas. Um, it's just... It, it, it's sad to watch people missing the point of this movie. I know. And I know as someone like yourself who has said the phrase underrated Wachowski's masterpiece probably more than once, <laughs> you would understand the frustration that I will now be going through for the rest of my life over this movie. I mean, they, they just published an article today just needing to say this, even though I would argue if you watch this movie and are a smart person, you would conclude that it is not a movie set up to set up a sequel. 
like you could make one right. feasibly, but it's not like, um, oh, well, now we got to see the next one. This yeah. one was really um, watching a creator. This was like, leave me the fuck alone about the Matrix. Yeah. Watching a creator like, look be- back. We've become the Matrix. Like, like happy everything <laughs> we were warding against, like y'all took and ran with it. So like, I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to make fun of your VR video game culture. Right. And like, that's it. Leave me alone. Let's zoom out too on the meta quote unquote aspects of it and 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 see how many layers there are too because besides Lana being Wait, wait, what did that what did that article say? Oh, it said that the Matrix uh did not do well enough at the box office, will not be receiving a sequel. It's like, okay. Yeah, I don't think anyone was off. hoping to make a sequel. It didn't end with like there being a guy on an operating table next to Neo who actually was Agent Smith. So right. I think we're okay with yeah. them flying off into the sky. Uh, uh, to a female-covered version of the radio, uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine song that that chick just got uh, videotaped pissing on that guy's face over. Yeah, that chick definitely, like, they definitely planned that strategically knowing that that fucking shit was about to drop. That was the song from the video, too, that they were playing. it sure was. Very strange. There has to be something more to this, but... um, It's guerrilla marketing, dude. um, Look, man... You thought The Matrix was about Kung Fu, and guess what? It's about the Wachowskis saying things. Always has been, always will be, and anyone who thought that this movie was some abortion of science, I'm telling you, and this is like earnest from the bottom of my heart, you have missed the point. And I would also go as far as to say that like, I've heard criticisms of being like, after all that, like it just ends up being about like fucking Neo and Trinity. I'm like, did you watch the fucking second and third movie? Right. Like the se- like the series has been about the conceit and about Neo and Trinity. Right. Like it still has always been a classic fucking love tale. Mm-hmm. Like especially like, in the third one, it's it's almost more one, prevalent the, in the third one than it is in the yeah, new one. The third, like I saw so many people on the rental zone going on about like I didn't fucking come, I don't go to the Matrix to see a love story. I'm like, okay, well, what happened when you went to see the fucking third one? Because or the first or the second. I mean, the first one clearly has huge love elements in it yeah. that are very important. Yeah, and it's especially rewatching it uh, in the theater for our birthday. Yeah, I was like, I was like, they're really, like, I was thinking about it a lot as I was watching the fourth one. I was like, a lot of the stuff we're seeing here is really being like start. It's starting that relationship's like really being shipped much earlier in the series than I realized. <sighs> like, dude, there are there are so many layers of this movie that I found enjoyable. Um, I'm gonna buy this movie on Blu-ray. A hundred percent, like a thousand percent, and I would. I, I hope, hope there's a commentary. I would hope that a there's a commentary and b that this movie's gladly bundled with the rest of these stupid Matrix movies because, in some ways, this is the first Matrix movie to introduce these kinds of ideas and some of them landed harder than any of the cribbed philosophy from the first three because let's get that straight too the things that make it intellectually genius even the first one have been argued over now since the moment the movie came up out as being directly cribbed from multiple sources right. um this movie had like it was just pure originality from from top to bottom. And the meta thing that so many people are hung up on, um, they even pack in another layer of explanation to the meta-ness of the movie, which is even more genius. And that, that extra layer is basically that, yes, this is a world where Thomas Anderson created a video game called The Matrix. Yeah. Yes, it looks exactly like The Matrix. Now, there are other movies where they're like, 
we made a video game of this, da 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 and then they show a clip, and it's like real-life footage. Right. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, you couldn't even make a fucking game to this. Like, right. Um, this movie, a lot of people complained about, they kept doing flashbacks. That is very directly for a reason. It's tied into this, which is that while I didn't love the fact that there were so many fucking flashbacks of the direct film, the entire point is that Neo has been gaslit into thinking that the plot of The Matrix is a ridiculous video game farce. Right. He lives in a world that has been convinced. Yeah, that's his reality. That The Matrix is a joke and yeah. is a franchise, yeah. is a, and, and just, a consumerist as, product. As and a they, quick aside, quick aside for that, yeah. the fact that like the central premise that we're presented with, with the, in the exposition is Thomas Anderson living in a world where the Matrix trilogy exists is right. fucking genius, dude. Well, look, they, they, the way they reinforce it and make it even more genius is by saying the reason Thomas Anderson lives in a world where the Matrix exists, the reason that the video game looks like clips from the movie is so that he is gaslit into thinking it's fiction. Right. Um, and and you see people's reaction to that fiction, which is more meta layers. You see Jude, his buddy, yeah. who's Judas, say, oh, I love this about the Matrix, man, and this, and put this sucked, and this, and da-da-da-da-da. It's like they've created it to confuse everyone into thinking that it would be absurd if right. these were real events. Right. Th who thought of this shit? Right. You know what I mean? Like. I cannot believe that, that this movie that, that was like that was like some uh, Keegan in the rental zone when I really got into it was going on about how ludicrous it is that they would put this we're meant to believe that in this world there's a trilogy of video games that explains this entire plot including how to kill the machines and everyone just went on about their lives as if it was fiction and I'm like that's that, our world that happens every day that's our world that is we had the trilogy world. of movies right and then we just kept treating it as fiction. Why would that not be what happens in this universe? Like you and I are sitting in a basement right now that is chalked to the brim with movie merchandise, toys, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Never in a million years, like if you were to look at like what is the most prevalent thing in all these toys, it's Alien, alien right? Yeah. Now, if you came to me and you were like, actually, um, Alien was real and you lived in it. And yeah. How did you watch Prometheus and not understand? Exactly. <laughs> like, like it. And if you told me that, I would never in a trillion years believe it. Yeah. And that is why they did it to him. Right. And, and it's, dude, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I have a, a very melancholic sadness about people misunderstanding the point of this same, movie. And same, what dude. what is difficult and has been difficult for both of us is that not only was this our longest moratorium, but it was over something that people clearly were not understanding. Yeah. And that we could have been I, there. I, I genuinely, like, I had... You did a very good job of keeping it close to the chest. I had no did idea. Did I? I had no idea what your feelings on the movie were No be. way. Like, I thought we were literally agreed before... I was going to text you the other day and say, so we both love this movie, so let's, let's talk about it. Because... Okay. Because I wasn't sure. You were arguing with people and you were getting into it way further than I was. Yeah. And I was watching you and I was like, damn, he's showing me his hand right now. But then you terrified me all over again when we started doing this record and you were just saying, like, the action sucks, the effects are terrible, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, oh God, oh, no, please don't do because this. Because I can, I can live with what I see as flaw, glaring flaws in a movie right. if I see them as being inconsequential to the ultimate point and goals of the movie like 
I there were moments where I was like, the action is weak because Lana Wachowski does not care about action, right? And that's fine. And it's not me. the story she's trying to tell, right? Like there's action because that like said, it's again, mandatory that there is. I enjoyed the action. I was. I thought it was. I, was, I just thought it was fine. The only action scenes. You know what? Let's do this because. I think that if you're listening to this podcast and you hated this movie, you're not enjoying this right now. Let 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 us actually talk about some negatives real quick. Yeah, and I have a, a I have huge, a bunch. I have a huge list of them. Me too. And I have some genius fucking uh what I saw to be genius moves in the movie that we haven't touched upon. But the one thing I do want to say is that there is nothing when it comes to like the world of movie or even media as a whole reviewing that I hate and dismiss and resent more. And someone being like, you just didn't get it. Anytime I see that, anytime, and I've been Me too. watching everything. That's why I'm trying to apologize to yeah. people and say that I'm being earnest. And I would never on a movie podcast, Dan, and in this podcast, tell viewers that they missed the point of something. I don't think that that is valid. I don't like saying it, yeah. but I've never felt that stronger yeah. in recent Same. memory Same. than with this film. I, I've never felt this before where every negative review i read i'm just like you weren't listening to the movie the movie was you're complaining about the movie beating you over the head with messaging while not realizing what that messaging was sure like the movie yeah it beat you over the head with the fucking point it was trying to make that's why it was being so meta but like that message wasn't like oh hey look how clever we are it's like hey you need to fucking take a look at what you expect from this film franchise right right and that's a huge thing coming from this podcast, too, because you're always saying that to me, basically. Like, I'll watch Godzilla. Yeah. And you'll be like, what the fuck were you expecting? Yeah. And, like, I I just don't know, man. I mean, did I not love The Matrix enough before walking into this? Did I not hold it precious enough? I don't think so. It's one of my favorite movie series ever. I don't think that can be said about ever. either of us. Yeah, I've mentioned I've brought up the Matrix. There's no movie that's been brought up on this podcast more right. than the Matrix. It's kind of the holy grail around here. Yeah. So for us to be enjoying this, at I, this level, I even went as far as to say that I couldn't comfortably call 2001 my favorite sci-fi film ever because of right. how, even though I know it's better because of how much I probably love the Matrix. So like, I, I kind of wanted to hate this I'm too. Like, I and 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 not only everything leading up to this, I went that movie is going to be terrible. Right. I am ready for this movie to be terrible. I walked in, I I turned it on, and I said to Cat, I'm like. This movie go. is probably about to fucking suck. Right. And I might be a little upset after. Sure. At the end, I fucking clapped. I clapped as well. Yeah. I, I And honestly, like, probably in my top five movies of this entire year, really enjoyed it. Yeah. My jaw was dropped at just the audacity. The audacity. Yeah. And, and I was like, I was like, willingness L- to... Lana Wachowski, for how much we and culture has made fun of her over the sure. last 10 years kind of a genius like i was like that's a bad motherfucker right there yeah <laughs> and, and i hope that she feels that reciprocation somewhere somehow yeah and is not treated worse because of this film yeah because i the reason i hate speed racer is because i expected more and and the reason i hate jupiter ascending is because i expected more right from the people who challenged me and blew my mind once whether they did it in the second two whereas speed racer i went into it being like this looks like a fun movie to do drugs to right and it sure was i've been waiting for this moment i've been waiting for a wachowski project to make my head swim yeah and and it hasn't happened since arguably the first matrix movie 
in a full way. I mean, two and three were fun. Hell of a video game for two. But oh my god! Animatrix, Dude, Enter the fantastic. Matrix was so good. Some people think it's terrible, though. The there, game? Oh yeah, there's a lot of negativity around Enter the Matrix. And what? The Matrix games have a very interesting history. Uh, obviously, Enter the Matrix took some shit. But do you know anything about Path of Neo? Um, no. Which came out several years later, where you get to play as Neo. No, but I'm I'm familiar with. Uh, the Matrix Online. So I just really quick want to talk about the Path of Neo because it's going to blow your mind a little bit. The Wachowskis came back and were like, we will make this game. Someone help us make this game. And God knows why they did it. It was fucking bizarre. Um, In this game, you go through the Path of Neo. You go from Matrix 1 all the way through the end of 3. Major battles, major scenes, set pieces, minus anything from Enter the Matrix. So like the highway chase is nowhere to be seen. Okay. Um, Wait, Right. Okay. Right. So, and also, Neo wasn't there. So, why would you play it? Uh, he doesn't show up until the last three right. seconds. Um, anyway, more importantly, the Wachowskis were like, let's get weird. Um, they made this fucking game, and it's absolutely bizarre. I've been watching videos about it because I what didn't. What system was it? For? PS2. Came out like three or four years after the third movie. I can't understand how this could have existed, and I wouldn't have. I don't know why you didn't I play this either. I wouldn't have purchased it. Anyway, there's a scene in this game where Neo is doing different training programs. He goes to a universe where it's all ants, and he fights them with kung fu. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's very weird moments in it. Uh, the weirdest moment of all comes at the end of the game uh, when Neo is fighting Agent Smith in the cityscape. They're trading blows. It's the fucking classic battle you're used to. And then cut to the two uh, chairs that Neo and Morpheus had their initial first talk on. Okay. And instead of human beings, there are stick figures with no gender, basically. They're like illuminated stick figures. Okay. And they go, hello, we're the Wachowskis. This is in the boss fight, the final boss fight of the game. Okay. And they were like, we are just having fun here. We want to just change the end of the movie because we can do whatever we want so we're just gonna change the end of the movie so it's more fun for a video game are you cool with that we don't care let's go and then cut back to the boss battle agent smith turns into a giant trash monster (laughs) like all of the debris of the city comes together and forms a kaiju sized agent smith okay which then you then fight and defeat um but uh, I thought that you would find some of this interesting. So yeah. yeah. Matrix Path of Neo, very weird game. Not worth playing, um, unless you're Dan Endon, probably. But Yeah, of course I'm going to play that. But very worth uh, watching. Like, to our listeners, if anyone can send me a ROM of that, that I could Yeah, people have emulated emulate, it and, and recorded some really sterling video of it. I watched it like leading up to this. Okay. Anyway, um, the Matrix series, um, really, I felt like downshifted into mediocrity with two and three. Um, whether you like those movies or not, two it, fucking sucks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now it does. Yeah, the night that I saw it, I was like, sweet, it's so good to have the Matrix back, right? But I was like 13, 14, 15. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. no, I was young for sure. The Matrix was the first DVD I ever owned. So, let's talk about the bad parts. Um, what would you yeah, say the on. worst element of this movie was? Worst? If you could single it down to one thing, what would it be? The music. What the fuck? <laughs> what, dude, what the... F- why? Like, I I listened to the soundtrack twice. It's great. What is wrong really? with the music? I yeah. I think it's... Ho- I thought it was horrible. I thought it was so, like... But I did not enjoy it as much and, as like, one through three. I thought it was hokey and, like, unsophisticated. Huh. And uh, just just 
very, <laughs> very like, like granted in a movie that like the first act is full of just like comical montages. Right. It just felt very like it was like it was like NCIS music. It just That's felt just very fair. unsophisticated. I, to me. I I would like you to re-listen to the soundtrack. Okay. And then report back. I thought because it was they horrible. lost. Obviously, they lost their initial composer who did all the. Yeah. There were some good mu- musical like right. moments, but there were moments I, that I was I'm like, "This is, this is gr- like." I was like, "This is like sitcom music." I'm not saying it's great. Uh, I just think it's better than you're saying it is. Okay. I don't think it's number one of problems this movie has. <laughs> that is a weird take. <laughs> number one, Dan. All right, let me give no, you my no, number no, one. No, my actual number one is that um, I felt that there were little to no actual stakes for any of any of like the drama uh, i don't agree with that either okay huh. I, f- I felt the entire premise with like trinity i thought trinity and neo's story was very potent i thought i i thought like yeah i, I don't know the whole like hmm. Hmm. For, for a movie that like i didn't like a lot of the central conceits of the second two acts like i really loved but i i just didn't care about trinity and her husband even though that Chad. Yeah, even and though Tiffany. even though Chad's existence in the movie is my single favorite Easter egg in the entire thing. Um You can say it so that uh people are aware in case they didn't. Yeah, not. so Chad was played by the director of uh the John Wick series, yeah. who is also Keanu Reeves stunt double in yeah. the OG trilogy. Yes. Um and the entire premise you're presented with is basically like Trinity or Tiffany, if you will, being presented with the conflict of, hey, like, right. you can go with him and keep living your life as expected. We could go in this direction as you were expecting the sequel to be. You, like, you can go to action star John Wick Keanu, which clearly a lot of you are looking for from this movie. Right. Or Neo's being like, hey, or come with me and let's explore the pathos of this fucking universe in a different way. Sure. But you have to recognize that you're walking away from the John Wick elements. Dude, that I mean it's genius. Yeah. Like what what in this movie is not like thought out at that level and 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 that is why I implore people to give it another shot. Um there are certain elements that I cannot jive with though. Um for me, the worst element of this movie Neil Patrick Harris. No, I thought he <laughs> I thought he was pretty great actually. Um the close though the worst element of this movie is the new agent smith um yes that, yeah, that the was... fact that they couldn't get hugo weaving because of a scheduling conflict really sucks because yeah. god imagine oh my god imagine a movie that starts with keanu reeves as a video game developer of the matrix and his boss is a douchebag and is played by hugo by you, weaving yeah Holy I was, shit! I was, I was able to get past the Morpheus scenario pretty quickly. Oh yeah, that one I really struggled with. Morpheus, and this just this really goes to show people's misunderstanding of this movie. People being mad about Morpheus not being in the movie are so off. Never you might never mind so that it's been off. two years of fucking Lawrence Fishburne being like. Yeah, they didn't ask me, so I guess they had an idea for what Morpheus was going to be. Besides the fact that Morpheus is dead canonically in the Matrix for the past 10 plus years, thanks to the Matrix Online, which is official Matrix canon. Yeah, even though it didn't work. So stick that up your ass. That game fucking sucked. Yeah, that has nothing to do with this. Arguably, all the Matrix games are terrible. Um, But I loved End of the Matrix, but that may have just been nostalgia. But... The point is that Neil Patrick Harris was slamming. Agent Smith was terrible. 
They could not get Hugo Weaving. This guy was doing like a cigarette-addled, yacht-owning, like, bro-chad. Yeah. Who called Mr. Anderson Tom. I know. I don't... That was a weird choice. The only moment... And and this is for anyone who gave this movie a zero and was like, it was cringing the whole time. They talked about the Matrix. The (laughs) only cringe for me in the entire movie is when homie was like, Mr. Anderson! (laughs) I was like, A, don't scream that line. The whole pathos and genius of Hugo Weaving's performance in Matrix 1 is that he is restrained at first. Yeah, right. And he's all like, Mr. Anderson, and is really finding his way around like a psychotic break. Whereas this dude was just like, Tom! I know. He's like, like Tom, you forgot your latte. His, it was, yeah, it was his whole vibe, much. given that this is the same person that we watched, like, grab Lawrence Fishburne by his bare head and be like, the stench of these fucking the, humans. The other thing, too, is they immediately spoiled any tension about him being Mr. Smith. Right. Agent Smith. The Smith. Yeah. When they show him at first, he is saying a line from Agent Smith, and they're showing Hugo Weaving's face cut into this guy's I know, line. I know. And I was like, no, 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 guys, don't do that. Like, yeah. put a little tension in it. Like, put a little bit of, like, is this the new Agent Smith? They're literally from the yeah. first, and I say second, it's the first second. They're the, like, this is Agent Smith. So, like, the I gave this movie an 8.5. The 1.5 that I took off was, like, purely for the moments of them treating the audience like idiots. But, right. but the audience has kind of revealed themselves to be fucking a bunch of fucking morons. <laughs> Yeah, apparently. Um, like, like everyone's like, this movie was like so condescending with the way it was like all these flashbacks, the way they're trying to like make clear what their messaging is. It's like, all right, well, you're sitting there that, for three there's... hours letting all of the messaging fly right over your right. fucking head while crying that they're not doing kung fu to each other but in also, the year 2021. They are crying about those flashbacks being like, you couldn't make your own movie, so you had to like show clips of the Matrix to like make people remember the Matrix. Like that. A is not why they're using the clips, yeah. and B, you are missing the entire messaging. Yeah. It is flying by you. Yeah. Um, other people who showed back up from the series, kind of still in the negative category for me, the Merovingian, like, when he showed up, <laughs> dude, when he showed up, I, I my, you could have, like, EKG'd me, my heart rate, like, went through the roof. I was like, I've never realized, this would be like in a new Star Wars movie if, like, Dexter Jetster showed up. <laughs> I would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, of any element that, that could have been brought back, of any scheduling conflict, yeah, right. of any actor that they could have they unfurled. Could, they, could, they couldn't get Agent Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, only My only issue with that is, like, I started at this level of, okay, now this movie's a 10. Right. When I saw the Merovingian, I was like, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, we're in clown show territory, <laughs> like, on purpose now. Yeah. Then he did his speech. Now, this is during... I'm going to admit, also on the negative side, the worst action scene in Matrix history. By far. This warehouse fight horrible. is like... Uh, when, like when, a, when I'm saying the action is bad, I am talking about that scene. Right. The action was Specifically. Poor, poor enough for me to be like, yes. the action in this movie is bad. That scene was very terrible. <laughs> and it's intercut with the Merovingian screaming shit. the Merovingian fucking bit is fucking ridiculous. Now I'm going to read to you the Merovingian, what he says as he is overseeing this battle because I didn't understand. Yeah, now you've watched it with subtitles. Now that I've watched it with <laughs> subtitles, I wrote this down. And this is crazy. <laughs> you ruined every suck my silky ass thing. We had grace. We had style. 
We had conversation. Not this beep, 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 as he pretends to type on a cell phone. Yeah. Art films, books were all better. Originality mattered. You gave us face, zucker, suck, and cock, climity, wiki, piss, and shit. Yeah, I heard that line. I can't believe I just nailed that. That was <laughs> This is not over yet. Our sequel franchise spinoff, Spits Leaves. I just... Yeah, it's a lot. If you're gonna... Now look, this is a and is also this is, that, is, is that a guy to imply that Lana Wachowski like like that the Merovingian is the mouthpiece for the Wachowskis in this universe. Yes, and well, <laughs> so was MPH for a lot of the time, but um, yeah. uh, the Merovingian says all that, and yes, this is a guy who once sent a girl a piece of cake so that she'd come in her pants. Right, it was too much, and yeah. they I don't I don't know if they like met up with this actor, and he was like legit insane, and they were like, oh man. <laughs> Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Because like, I thought the idea of having him be, like, completely fucking crazy and, like, defeated from the events of the last 10 years, I was like, oh, this is fucking, this is great idea. cool. And then the shit that came out of his mouth. Terrible. Like, like again, he was Even for the Merovingian. The, yeah. Terrible. He was the old guys from the Muppets being like, ha ha, this fight sucks. Ha ha ha. It was. Dude, that, that scene was and not also, okay. And you, also, you've given props to MPH, but I thought his fucking, I thought he was terrible in this movie. Oh, but, okay. But that, like when I was talking about like Bondi and Expo dumps, like mm-hmm. there was like one moment where Somebody had it was it. like three and a half minutes <laughs> of just Neil Patrick Harris talking to the During camera. During bullet time. Yeah, it yeah. was fucking, yeah, that was Okay, insane. I'll give you that. It got a little heavy handed with him, but I liked the idea of his character. I liked yeah. that he was witness to Neo returning himself to the machine city, had devised a new matrix with like woke consumerist oversaturated with coffee social media garbage world yeah uh, i liked that update a lot especially because that that's like that's the most in line with the original yeah movie's premise mm-hmm. of anything mm-hmm. in any of the sequels is the idea that like oh we're actually living in the fifth version of the matrix the reason our life our world sucks so much currently which like the first movie was like here's why our world is starting to suck this one's like our world currently sucks so much because we're in another version of the matrix that they just like overcompensated because y'all figured out the previous ones. Other, just one more thing. And then I think we should probably cap it off. But like two things that I also really enjoyed that were completely out of step with any other matrix movie, a heist scene buildup, which had never been uh, done in any matrix movie. It's a cliche that certain movies, when you do it well, I find very compelling, like the original Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Um, this movie had a classic, everyone standing around a table, heist scene setup yeah. about getting Trinity out of the pod. M- much like Fast and the Furious Four. It was, dude. <laughs> took the, <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. Like, much as in the Academy Award nominated Fast and Furious Four, and actually two through seven, I think <laughs> there's at least one scene in each one where everyone is standing around a table having a planning meeting. Um, but this one was really compelling, and I actually yeah. really liked it. Shocking I, lack of Tyrese. Tyrese was instead Satie in this yeah. one, um, which I thought bringing that character back was really cool. Um, and again, like, the other the other thing that people were going on about is, like, I stopped watching this movie in the first seven minutes, and having watched it now twice... The first seven minutes of this movie are super compelling to me both times. Um, it starts in a modal, which is a simulation that's used to evolve programs. Um, 
Morpheus is a program that lives in the modal and is beginning to evolve and understand that he's in a program. And then you find out that that program and that modal are created by Thomas Anderson, who is now a video game designer in an alternate universe matrix where he's famous for creating the matrix. That is in the first seven minutes. So, yeah. And just in that first scene with just them running through like that fucking scene from the first movie i was like what the fuck is happening here i was like they are starting with some shit of me being like yeah wow i have no idea what's going on loved it impressive had some good energy yeah um and um you know when i first saw that there was an actress playing trinity who wasn't trinity yeah all these things went through my mind like are they fucking kidding are what the fuck is going on and then all of those things were immediately challenged and shown to me as having purpose right having reason the the people in that modal are not going to look like the exact people it was everything in it from a technical plot loop perspective was taken care of in a very people have been really going crazy about like the plot holes in this movie and i'm like have you watched the second two matrix movies right when you want to talk about fucking plot like i've told you dan for 10 years i was unable to fully understand what happened in revolutions only this time am i gleaning what the actual deal is that you that he signs upon, which is just like, if he returns his body to the machine city, they will stop the war in Zion. Or if not, they will attack Zion. Yeah. But he, if that's, if he goes for training, it's like, literally it's, it's, it's makes no sense. Right. And any person who's like complaining about exposition dumps, like both matrix movies, one and two, especially have massive exposition dumps. Like, 10 minute long exposition dumps yeah but granted the one in the second vi- one they're is... more visually striking than <laughs> than just like everyone else being frozen and, and neil, neil patrick, patrick harris, fucking harris walking around like, <laughs> like 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 yes neil patrick harris is a ge- genius actor but at the end of the day the majority of people are not able to see him as anyone other than fucking barney from how i met your mother and just that seeing that like dude you, walk around fucking in <laughs> slow motion in the matrix world to be like here's why i've designed all of it i'm like you haven't designed anything <laughs> See, I think of him as Neil Patrick Harris from Harold and Kumar. Uh, So, like, his powers in that series were obviously limitless. Yeah, right. So I'm used to him being this meta Deadpool character (laughs) (laughs) who exists in any property. Um, All right. So uh, now is the time that we are going to challenge uh, some of the thoughts and perceptions of the individual members of the Rental Zone in our first ever official Rental Meter segment. Are you ready, Dan? Is this uh, this a continuation of thoughts and prayers from the rental zone yeah but like more mean-spirited yeah all right okay so um our first rental meter segment basically uh everybody voted on a scale from one to ten in the rental zone about how they felt about the matrix resurrections uh and then i'm gonna hand it over to our statistics guy uh also dan Enden, and he is going to Tell us how I think maybe go through how many people yeah. voted for what real quick. Yeah. Um, all right, Dan. So, ten people in the rental zone <laughs> gave this movie a zero out of ten. I, I, I don't. I I'd love to know what other movies count as zeros to those people. I'd like to know how much of that is your genuine feeling on the movie objectively versus right. whatever you set yourself up for your expectations to be and you just being a crybaby that they didn't meet them. <laughs> All right, well, relax, because we're going to we're gonna be interacting <laughs> with these opinions very quickly, but to the 10 people that gave uh, a zero to this movie in the rental zone. Mission failed. We'll get them next time. <laughs> okay, so then one person gave it a one. I appreciate that person's measured response. 
Um, one person <laughs> gave it a two. Right. Four people gave it a four out of ten. Now, Jesus no one God. gave it a five or six. No <laughs> one felt in the yeah. middle. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's classic polarization from the Wachowskis. Yeah. Nine people gave it a seven. Nine people gave it a seven. Yeah. And then um, five people gave it an eight. And then you gave it an eight. And then I effectively gave it an eight. Okay. So Dan gave it an 8.5 in the show. But since you guys have to pick one through yeah. 10 with no half I can't. Points, I can't call it a nine. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's strong. Yeah. So eight, eight for these purposes. Yeah. All right. So um, now we're going to unveil the rental meter overall score of this movie yeah so that would bring the average score to a 4.6 what are you fuck what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh, oh my god terrible four po- what what was it i couldn't even write it down i started blacking out 4.6 is the average of all of those scores <laughs> Are you serious? You have 10 people. So basically, you have you have 16 people who gave it below a 5. And then oh, you, and then you have 16 people below a and, 5. And then you essentially have the same amount who gave it an 8, but since 10 of those people gave it a 0. So like in if it was dead even, it would average out to 5. Oh my god. But since 10 of those people gave it a 0 and no one gave it a 10 to balance it out, it's at a 4.6. <laughs> So the people who gave it a zero out of ten, your over emotionality really fucked up our fucking yeah. data here. Your lack of uh, come on, awareness. zero out of ten. <laughs> Go watch Jupiter Ascending and tell That's me what the I've said ma- to everyone. Yeah, the Matrix Revolutions is a zero out of ten. Resurrections, like, re- whatever. Zero out of ten. <sighs> people who like have unironically shipped for Fast and the Furious movies gave this movie a zero out of (laughs) ten. You guys think this movie's as bad as Gigli? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, zero out of ten. All these people should have to watch every zero out of ten movie we've rated from this podcast. Grow up. All right, uh, so with that kind of energy... It's a fucking movie. We're going to roll into... And you're into in your a, 30s. Just relax. We're going to roll into specific... <laughs> specific opinions here, <laughs> which Jan will then get upset about uh, all over again. Um, the first uh, user review <laughs> comes from um, renowned scout Andrew Fisher of HBO fame. <laughs> Shout out to his works. Yeah. Shout out to the film industry for hiring such quality people. Um, <laughs> his take. Poor acting, which I think is the weirdest opening. I don't under... Like, where where along the way was acting even a factor in this movie? Yeah. Like, I mean... Poor I guess, acting. Is that just a, a way of a, saying that Hugo Weaving wasn't in this one? Andrew, have you seen any Keanu Reeves movie? Yeah. But, but the previous <laughs> ones had Hugo Weaving. So that there was inherently good acting. Um, good idea. Bad. Who could have known the guy from Hardball couldn't put in a fucking killer performance? Good idea. Bad execution. Entertaining at times, neither good or bad. So what did he give it? That review. I don't know. Uh, I didn't like put their Jesus Christ 
show's getting to be a lot of work. No. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I don't have their scores next to it, but probably zero. <laughs> that's a... I mean, like, that's... I don't, like, agree, but that's a that's a measured review. That's All right. fine. Uh, <laughs> and, Andrew, Andrew Fisher, you get a pass today. Here comes one. <laughs> is, it, is, it Ke- is it Keegan Tawa? <laughs> no. Nick Lopresti. Is his name Lopresti or Lopretzi? It is Lopresti. Okay. It's just feels like an Italian mistake that that name like the s was somewhere it should have been somewhere else or like when they came over from ellis island they like wrote it wrong the first time and it stuck anyway shout out nick um aesthetically i liked it but there were a lot of head scratching elements this is a matrix movie by the way right there were a lot of head scratching elements so so that's a positive review and i thought spider-man was cashing in on nostalgia Huh. Hmm. I feel like if there was any movie that I've ever seen not cash in in nostalgia, it's, it was this. It's this one. This movie went out of its this way was to not resented all nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, this people mo- were like, "There's flashbacks. It's leaning on its nostalgia." Yeah. N- no. No. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Um, Just listen to the words they're saying. There's five minutes of Neil Patrick Harris talking to the camera to be like, here's what's going on. Just listen to the words. I think that people checked out during those sections. Um, This was practically just a remake. Yeah, that I don't understand at all. Um, But isn't that the same person who was saying that Memento and The Matrix are the (laughs) same movie because they both involve time? Wasn't it also the person that said that Pulp Fiction was bad because it was out of order? You need to leave! That's what I meant, was that Pulp Fiction and Memento were the same plot device. You serious? I appreciate Nick Lepresti for being such like an active participant in the rental zone, I but I don't note. understand what he likes about movies. <laughs> like, like at all. I don't get it. Oh my god, huh. his, his takes are so consistently confusing to me. Like, yeah, me too. But like, but that's you know that's the spice of life, right? And I do like Nick personally. Like outside of movie opinions, like this, this has to all be treated kind of like uh, Bad Biscuits opinions, which is like all my friends have them, but I need to find a way to love them regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just like I, I'm. That's just, what the rental zone is all about for me, I, at least. I'm just curious, like, what's a ten out of ten for people who view movies through this type of lens? <laughs> like, what movie satisfies everything? Is like, well, what we do know, you think? Nick it, does really enjoy the first Fast and Furious movie. We so, know that yeah, much. So that, but like, you know, there's a nostalgia factor that, like, what, like, what, Nick, tell us in the rental zone. What like Nick? Give us your top ten of the last like five years. Yes. Like, what do you call like? Give top us, shelf give us movie? your top ten. Is it like we need to understand you better? We're Terminator: not, Rise of the Machines. We're not Is trying that, to like, just like fuck se- with you. Like, what's a good se- uh, What's a good sequel? Is it like, yeah? Did you just say Terminator: <laughs> Rise of the Machines? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Are you serious? Um, Andre Hershorn. I feel like we're pretty familiar with this guy at this point. Yeah. He's like, um, like like the John Locke of the rental zone. <laughs> He's like the Merovingian. <laughs> um, 
this is one of the few times I feel as if I'm in full agreement with Andre. Thank fucking God, because him trashing this on top of all of this would have been too much for me to handle <laughs> by a large degree. Um, he says, I can't be mad at it. It's fascinating, goofy, sweet. I think it addresses nostalgia slash reboot factor very intelligently. It's a compromised movie because the entire context of its production is compromised. I agree big time with that part. But its heart is totally in the right place, and it comes through in some beautiful ways. Sad for everyone that doesn't understand all the lore slash world building slash plot bullshit is obviously not important to the director. And the movie is about the power of love. Three love emojis. <laughs> Andre, you, you did it for once for me. So thank you. That's a good take. And uh, totally agree with him. Yeah. But but like even still, I I I think that this movie showed that they do care about the lore because there they was do. new lore that was there was great new was lore. Killer. Yeah, <laughs> I actually like as a nerd loved this movie just as much as as a meta mind fuck fucking insane f you to Hollywood and everyone who made the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> Justin Wagner. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> this movie did not need to be made. Interesting start. I mean, that's the case with literally all <laughs> every movie ever. <laughs> that is the case with, I would say, any movie that you could go down the street and see at a movie theater right now. That, that that's is the, the case. That's the same as, like, you don't get it. That's, like, such a fucking hack movie review. Like, yes. that's just saying words for the sake of saying words. That's a nothing review. Yes. Mission failed. We'll get them next time. This movie did not need to be made. Great. Neither did you, but yeah. your parents still fucking decide to fuck in the back of their goddamn fucking Lincoln Continental. So many flashbacks that were unnecessary if you had watched any of the others. So as if the flashbacks were being used to inform someone who, by the way... I think there were too many flashbacks. Me too. I do too. I agree. So I can't go crazy about this, but... The flashback thing, P particularly listen, at, like, the flashback at like, thing the climax was, scene, there was no reason for any flashbacks there. Like we know that Neo loves Trinity. The flashback thing was excessive, but like it was not there to inform people who had never seen the Matrix what the plot of the Matrix was. Right. I want to get that clear. It was to make you feel for those moments again as someone who's already seen it. This was not a movie. Look at the rest yeah. of this and it, movie. And it was also to, like, remind you, because a lot of the flashbacks were, like, Neo looking at Trinity and, like, to emphasize the love scenes. It was, like, almost to, like, remind the viewer, like, you're probably one of the demographic who's, like, getting pissed that this is what the movie's about. Like, hey, this is what the movies have always been about. Yeah. You probably haven't watched The Matrix 3 in a while because you think it sucks and you fucking shat on my career for 20 years over it. Like, hey, remember, this is what that movie was. But... Again, the purpose of them was not to remind you of the plot. Yeah. It wasn't to do that at all. And and they also provided a meta context for it that was interesting. So what else do you want? I mean, I my my second biggest problem with the movie was too many flashbacks. Yeah. So I agree, but yeah. also you're missing the point of the flashbacks. Yeah. So kind of a hard I think it's fine. I understand the complaint with the If people were if every person complaining about the flashbacks were like, this movie was genius, but from just like a pure filmmaking perspective, there didn't need to be that many flashbacks, I'd be like, I completely agree. People being like, look how many flashbacks there are. They're harping on nostalgia. It's like that for sure. Like, yeah, fine. It's a like it's a subjective medium. Like, no, objectively, this movie was not harping on nostalgia. Uh, it was anyway, all over your sense of nostalgia. Anyway, his next line was, um, <laughs> it felt like a cheap cash grab on nostalgia. 
Four out of 10, and he voted a zero out of 10. Four out of 10 in the comments. Zero out of ten on the board. So what a fucking not, psycho. Not only is that board abuse, yeah. but... Ban him. Ban yeah. him right now. I don't think so. Uh, <clears throat> next, um, mm, Keegan Tawa. Oh, God. Absolutely none of it is explained. Also, this yeah. is the most yeah. over-explained yeah. film yeah, of all time. Yeah, in a movie with the biggest flaw <laughs> is how much they beat you over the head with everything being explained i've never i have no questions i've never left a matrix movie being like i need to rewatch that so i can understand why everything happened not a single thing happened in this movie without it being followed up by like yep the screen pausing and someone walking and be like hi i'm troy mcclure yeah you might remember me from the matrix three here's why this is happening it was a movie that had like three or four architects instead of just one from reloaded the biggest filmmaking faux pas that this movie made was explaining the ever-loving shit out of everything okay here's to start your review with nothing was explained are you out of (laughs) your fucking mind (laughs) what were you doing during the movie i don't understand why are you running um it felt like a fever dream of half ideas by a bunch of people on cocaine (laughs) it felt like a bunch of crypto bros in the back room of a frat at 3 a.m. storyboarding over their vision of a new Matrix movie. They literally had a scene where that happens in the movie. That is, dude, that is the funniest thing because, like, literally crypto bro culture, like, shitposting, like, reboot culture, just, like, all of that was addressed so directly. So There are boardrooms of people and Christina Ricci for five minutes to illustrate. <laughs> of Speed Racer fame just how much they were willing to talk about that. Yeah. The fact that you would think a crypto bro made a movie that was made by a trans woman yeah. who created the Matrix. Who put an entire scene making fun of crypto bros. <laughs> and 60% of the rest of the screens were people explaining to you. You know Lana Wachowski like watched the first edit and was like, eh, some people aren't going to get it. Add a little bit more exposition. Right. And then she watched it. She's like, all right. Even though people are probably going to hate it, there's no way that I can be accused of having half-baked, unexplained ideas. Sure. And Keegan Tawa was, like, so fucking shaking <laughs> furious watching beer. this movie. Just like, they explained nothing! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I held out for 65% of the movie and then had to turn it yeah, off. Yeah, incredible. Great. Yeah, people, great. People seriously? The, the last 45 minutes is nothing but them explaining the movie. You know, like, every other movie that fucking exists where there's a mystery. <laughs> they explain it later. <laughs> You fucking lunatic. <laughs> was this a dude we weren't supposed to call a lunatic? I, I was saying don't make fun of the saxophone because the saxophone is a quality instrument. Okay, this next sentence, Dan. I, this one just hits me very down deep. Okay. People seriously deserve better film than this. And yet this is what we eat up. Yeah, like... What? I mean, like, that's... <laughs> that's the opposite of what this movie was. And, and that's like... You couldn't eat this movie up. That, this was not an eatable movie the, up. Yeah, and that's like... But to say, this is what we eat it up, and this is why... Like, this movie's being panned. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like I'm it's living... It's terrible. This whole review is like Bizarro World. It's, it's like, this is a review that was from an alternate This universe, is from the Upside Down World, from fucking Stranger Things, where the Matrix Resurrections was hailed as, like, a return to form. Here comes another, just, I don't even know how to take this one. You, I'll let you take this one. After decades of being concussed and beaten into submission by Marvel movies, people will seriously take anything. I mean, 
hard agree. <laughs> but, but, but that's not but this. They're, they're not taking this. <laughs> and they're not taking it. <laughs> if anything, if anything, Marvel movies being in a fucking nice, neat little consistent bow is why people are fucking having trouble wrapping their brain around a fucking major property, not fucking spoon feeding them exactly what they want. All right. Next review. Mike Nass. That one is fucking bananas, that dude. One, <laughs> that one, honestly, there's no uh, safe harbor in that one. There's that no, one is top down there, There's no sentence that isn't the exact opposite of the movie I watched. Like, it's literally like... As bad as it gets. It, it's just it's just strange. Just I'm just curious down. what that person was watching and listening I to. I don't know. Like, like, really like Foster, Foster's just... review was reasonable. He's like, I didn't go to the... I don't go to the Matrix to watch meta commentary i go to watch fucking i was like i didn't like like the last ones were just fine so like all i was expecting was even if the plot didn't do it for me the action was going to be fucking crazy the action wasn't crazy so i didn't like it that review like great the movie wasn't for you it, it makes like consistent ideological sense right. it, it's not like being like they didn't explain shit to me right i've n never had a movie explain more <laughs> things to me all right, well, you know. Um, Mike Nasser. It figuratively pissed on my face. Until it <laughs> I'm glad he had to specify that it was figuratively. <laughs> until it literally pissed on my face at the end. You should have seen it in 4DX. I'm, I'm embarrassed for anyone who greenlit this movie. Interesting statement, because clearly this movie was going to be greenlit regardless. Yeah. And... It just yeah, that's, I mean, just, that's just a fucking emotional hot take. You know what? Like, like I said earlier in this episode, like, uh, kudos to the people that greenlit this. As I was trying to say at one point, I cannot believe that Warner Brothers actually allowed this. I, to know. Happen. I know they they must have known it was a complete suicide mission. But like, uh, just uh, it was. <laughs> I mean, they, worth it for me. <laughs> they fucking they made Space Jam. They their shame meter is gone. I know, but like at the same time, like this could this seems like such an easy win. I mean, Space Jam. The thing is, they tried to make an easy win. They got LeBron. They did the best that they could. It's just Space Jam One is terrible. So of course, <laughs> Space Jam Two with Don Cheadle is even worse. Like, what would ever make anyone yeah. think that All that right. was going to be good? Tell me, you, you tell gave me. that movie. Tell what? me who gave this movie a zero and gave Space Jam Two anything more than a zero? Who is that person? Come on this show and explain yourself. All these critiques that I'm seeing, people. Right, about, like, it's, like, as if, like, they're so personally offended that this, like, beloved franchise has, like, exposition dumps and just, like, all these critiques. I'm just, like, dude, like, this is the same board that was, like, Space Jam 2 was fine. And I'm, like... Did they, though? I don't know if they all said Space Jam 2 is fine. I don't think anybody was, like, 0 out of 10. I sure was. Pissed on my legacy. Explained too many things. Oh, no, wait, I kind of liked it, didn't I? I kind of liked it. What did I, I give it? I don't know. I, I don't think, think a four or I don't something. Think you like it. I liked it more than I thought I was going to because it, it was self-referential. It had some funny moments. In you it. gave it a four point nine. Yeah, it, it wasn't yeah. that bad. Yeah. Most kids' movies that come out in this day and age are a two. But nobody was like Space Jam Two is why we don't get smart movies. Yeah. Why not then? <laughs> but why over every Marvel movie? Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> I'm embarrassed for the VFX team. I thought the visual effects are great i don't know what everybody's on about i, I rewatched it last night on sterling home theater setup and it just looks great yeah it looks killer and and you know what uh i watch a lot of movies guys a lot of fucking action movies and garbage blockbusters and there were more visual tableaus and interesting imagery 
and effects of the machine world and otherwise in this movie uh, more memorable than any fucking recent Marvel movie any thing from that garbage fucking Spider-Man movie that all was shot on a blue screen this was granted if you put it up against the other three and when you watch the clips like we're just in a day and age and I, I've said this a million times not on this podcast but we're in a day and age where movies look like shit right like shit yeah they're using the greatest equipment in the world but they've lost the film nature and film quality yeah. to it there just is something about film this movie was not shot on film and it shows and most movies are not shot on film and i think it shows there too whether it's endgame or fucking matrix 4 i think they all look yeah, like look shit awful. um so yeah i mean this movie had some great visual i, 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 yeah, digital, I thought io was looks, gorgeous i thought like shit and fucking the the even it's like when they film digital and then fucking try to put a filter on to make it look yeah that sucks too. i'd almost prefer it though because like for example in this movie in the san francisco scenes especially interiors right it looked yeah terrible yeah awful it looked just terrible now again that could have been on purpose to a large degree to make it look like a, a sitcom but it, it looked like like i was just at the wb uh, studio lot and it just looked like you walk in the yeah. WB lot and there's like here is a cafe and you walk in and it's literally like yeah. every scene. Like I, I agree that this movie looked like shit but when I saw all those reviews I'm just like what movies don't look like shit currently like besides like comedies where there's no set pieces like I uh, haven't seen a movie look good in ages it seems like. Here again is another statement that kind of has already not happened but I'm embarrassed for the droves of people duped into enjoying it. That's crazy and didn't even happen but yeah. I okay. I don't feel duped. Um, the walk of shame rolls hard. Okay. Yeah, people are big mad. Man, and this is like, this is the line, honestly, that stood out of all these reviews, which is the most backwards feeling take imaginable. Man, I wish my mind was simpler to experience this, th to experience life through this lens. Oh, yeah, I remember that. What Yikes. A, who, who said this? This is uh, Mike Nasser, a good friend of mine. He's like a uh, Horizon Wireless lighting guy. He designs like Campisco signage and all their light stuff and is a very good dude. But everybody is worthy of bad takes now and then. And this yeah, one but that's is, just a mean take. I wish my brain could lower. I wish I could lower myself to like what these peons like. Go fucking eat it, <laughs> you fucking loser. Okay, Jesus Christ. Look, I didn't tell your one dude you told me to chill out on to go fucking eat. Go tell the dude. All right, eat a dick and no he thank you for your service. Was he a vet? <laughs> yeah, he was. Cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, all of our all of our caveats have already been destroyed. Yeah. Delete this. Keep um, listening to the podcast. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I wish I could lower myself to like the one Marvel of my movies. favorite film brains of all time. A guy that is uh, a friend of mine since high school, who's very artistically sound, kind of reminds me of Andre in many ways, um, had a kind of a middle of the road take that I thought was interesting because people who like this movie like pee pee and poo poo <laughs> so distract That's what Mike Nasser said his letterbox review is very long but here's just a, a snippet of it um loved a lot hated a lot um love the bullet time jokes but no actual bullet time bad take <laughs> right off the bat um and there was a lot of slow-mo but like does like you can cut cares? out me calling your friend a loser but i want the rest to stay no i think it should all stay um <laughs> <laughs> love the fact that neo never touched a gun or never even really fought back unless it was to defend trinity now i want to just comment on this really quick because i also like that when you were saying earlier that neo was op and was like doing like power pushes the whole time force pushes 
the reason that I liked that was that there was something very protective and defensive about Neo's powers this time compared to his powers in the first three. Right. The powers in the first three, he was very invasive and destructive and capable of wiping out city blocks from how fast he's flying. Yeah. Like there's a scene where he flies yeah. so fast yeah. a tornado forms behind People him. just wanted that um, but more. Like like Yeah, like, how like could you do more? years later so we need 20 times crazier. Um I watched Revolutions. We need Superman to fly around two planets. Yeah, I mean I watched Revolutions a week ago and believe me you could not top that movie <laughs> or Reloaded. I don't say in quality, but in muchness. In excess. If you excess. wanted to go that far, then you're going to end up with what all you fucks got at the end of Rise of Skywalker, which is 900 Star Destroyers flying through the sky yeah. out of an ocean. Yeah. So that's what you get when you want to keep topping yourself. I know. And your computer can do anything. Yeah, and guess what? Everyone fucking hated that too. So oh, like... sorry. The Wachowskis had to top people with their ideas this time and not their money. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm done with this. It's a movie. That, I'm done with this. It's a movie that premiered on HBO Max. Relax. Um... Uh, uh, um, 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 love the suicide bombing swarm. Genuinely the most delightful five mo minutes of a theater experience I had all year. That must have been cool to see it in yeah. theater. Um, love the evolution of the ideas. Architect is now the analyst. Smith, agent, now tech CEO. I do like that progression, but the actor, whatever. Yeah. Previously powerful programs and tech, now ostensibly harmless vagabonds collecting dust and ranting madness. Merovingian. Yeah. Lots of love. Moral of the story, I respect the fuck out of this movie and love so many of its fixings, but I don't particularly like it very much. Fair take. Yeah, that's a fair take. I don't hate that take. That is the kind of negative take that a negative take for this movie should have looked like. Right. Which is like, I get it, cool meta stuff, but like at the end of the day, yeah. this isn't what I was looking for. Yeah, it wasn't but like, in service of my entertainment value. But to like, be like, no. wow, that's like, you are fucking stupid. That's why I, I respect the, the people who are like, I go to the Matrix because I like seeing awesome action and this movie wasn't that, so like, I don't like it. That, like, it's not how I approach the movies, but like, I get it. Sure. If I went, if I went expecting to see a giant action movie and instead got this, I'd be like, this isn't what I wanted to see. Just imagine. It's just a measure Dude, tape. But uh, to be like, this movie pissed on my childhood and explained nothing. It, <laughs> also, like, for anyone who whose criticism was like, been there, done that, like, look, obvious cash grab. I want you to think about every other major franchise you've ever seen and take the plot of this movie and do a bad analogy switch over and try to figure it out yourself. If the next Harry Potter movie was him living in a world in which he wrote all the Harry Potter books and didn't believe <laughs> any of it was real, you'd be like, oh my fucking God, what? If the next Star Wars movie started with George Lucas writing his final script to Star Wars and then being tortured by a swarm of agents, like, wow, that wouldn't really work. So like, tell me where you, person who says that they've seen this all a million times, that this is a nostalgic rehash cash grab. Right. Tell me where you have seen a sequel to a longstanding franchise do what this movie yeah. did. No, tell me. It takes such an unbelievable amount of balls. Like it's such big dick energy from someone who is I feel like we've been clear about that this yeah. whole time that dichotomy being very strange yeah. she just got extra balls yeah dude so our old neighbor Larry got extra big balls I, I just I don't I don't know I don't know like it's like it's like complaining like imagine being like you went to Deathly Hollows part 2 and your review was like I can't believe he fought Voldemort again just rehash <laughs> Just fucking bad analogy. Recycled ideas. Your second bad analogy in the same episode. Thanks, Doug. All right, so let's end on that, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody who participated in the rental zone. Uh, I, do, I don't agree with that. Bad take. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for participating. Yeah. 
no thank you to the things you said. Um, hard not except thank you Andre. for fucking up our <laughs> averages by giving your over-emotional goddamn crybaby response. Zero. Come on, guys. Zero. You got to do better than zero. Work with us here, Dude, okay? there are people who have seen The Happening and then watched this and were like, zero. Anyway, more discussion about M. Night Shyamalan coming next week with our yeah. review you of like that seg? Old Baby. Oh, I did Baby. Maybe that's the season five thing. Uh, okay. No, I do enough. You want to do it? No, you can take the baby. It doesn't feel right now. My yeah, OCD. No. Can you do it, please? Baby. Nice.